Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Living the dream once again on a spectacular Saturday. It is Hartman and Papinga coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. He's going to save 15% or more on your car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part figuring out which way is easier. Sort of a dream day for us with our <laughs> obsession of the National Football League. Brady, we are uh, well into the fourth round of the draft. Of course, we're going to be rifling through draft picks throughout the show today. Every team dreaming that someone at this point is going to be turning out to be at least another Brady Papinga. That's right, man. You were a fourth-round pick back in the day with the yeah. Green Bay Packers. How did that work out for you? Fantastic. Uh, you know, that was uh, one thing that, you know, I, I, I started, I became a starter my rookie year and was a starter pretty much throughout the rest of my career. But this is where, and, and so for two or three years, they were paying me, you know, when you compare to other starters, pennies on the dollar, and that allowed them to work magic with the cap elsewhere. And that, if you talk to any executive, this is really 
where teams separate themselves. Absolutely. Because if you could get guys forth through this, you know, free agency, undrafted free agency for the college players to become solid contributors, starting caliber guys. Oh, you could you pay them pennies on the dollar for at least the three first three or four years of their deal, and then now you have enough money free to where you can pay your stars, you can pay the guys that you're you know that are contracts are coming up. But if you can't hit on these guys, then you have to go look at a free agency, overpay, all of a sudden you become cap-strapped, you can't retain your own talent, you can't keep the stars happy, and it becomes this perpetual cycle of futility. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns. It's like a great yeah. example. The Jaguars were as an example. They're starting to get out of that. But uh, you basically can see the teams that have struggled to win at this point in the draft, but this is the most crucial point, even though it doesn't get all the same attention. All right, uh, so many different ways I want to go with you today yeah. here, Brady, but I, I do want to start off with a soundbite. Uh, Robert, do we have that soundbite ready to roll right here? I want to go back to a previous draft. I won't even identify who it is, but uh, I want you to hear this soundbite. How disappointed are you that you will not be a 49 not as disappointed as the 49ers will be that they didn't draft me. There it is. How disappointed are you not to be a 49er? Not Man, as disappointed right. that uh, he, that would be Aaron Rodgers on the day right. of the draft after the 49ers went with Alex Smith. He Rodgers. fell all the way to the Green Bay Packers, calling out the 49ers much as his clone, Josh Rosen, has done to everybody in this <laughs> you're, draft. You're trying to make Josh Aaron Rosen Rogers out to be like Aaron Rodgers? They are the same guy. I'm let's, telling you right now, okay, Josh let's, Rosen's let's, career let's will rival, this. if not exceed that, of Aaron Rodgers. Let's, let's analyze. Well, I'm not... Look, I hope he does. I hope the guy goes and lights the NFL on fire. I hope he breaks the record books, wins seven Super Bowls, does everything he's proclaimed to do. I hope yes. he does. But let's analyze these comments. One, Aaron says... Hey, the, basically, paraphrase, the 49ers are going to regret drafting, not That's what drafting. He said. Yes, exactly. He did not slide his buddy, Alex Smith, who, by the way, they're good buddies. He didn't say, oh, that was a mistake drafting Alex Smith. As a matter of fact, I was with those guys at the NFL uh, rookie symposium together, and Aaron Rodgers was nothing but gracious, complimentary, and even supportive of Alex Smith. Josh Rosen, on the other hand, an absolute joke. A disgrace to humanity to say that hold those on, guys were on. a mistake. All right, let's hear what mistake. Josh Rosen had to say. Here's Josh oh, I, Rosen. I, I already know what he said. There are nine mistakes made ahead of me. I will make sure over the next decade or so that they, they will they will know that they made a mistake. There it is. So oh. nine mistakes made ahead of me what as opposed absolute, to the same thing imbecile. that Rodgers said as the 49ers made a mistake. There was no, 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 no. No, he they said did, that. He, he didn't say they made a mistake. They, they used the word, the literal word mistake. No, he did not. Let, it's not even comparable. Let's go back to Aaron Rodgers. He said they will regret it. That's fine. Well, you that's can regret it. Like regret no, is a not. mistake. I no. mean, it's the same thing. He didn't slight. He didn't call Aaron. He didn't call his buddy Alex Smith a mistake. Right, there, there Josh Rosen called every single one before him that got no. drafted was a mistake. That's it, it's unacceptable, and that's 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 crossing the line because now what you're basically saying is that I should have been drafted there, yes. and every single one of you that got drafted before me, you are nothing. And oh, by the way, one other comment that needs. Hey, do you guys got this? You should get this sound up too. Talking of Josh Rosen, talk specifically about every single one of those quarterbacks, and he says this. I actually don't even pull it up. I'll pull it up for you. He said. I will be the last one standing. Yeah, yes, we'll see he where will. they are. He will. Again, sliding his hey. compadres, sliding his guys. There's a problem there. That is absolute disrespect. It's coming from a place of not 
hey, man, I'm going to prove you guys wrong. Competitiveness, like Aaron was, is coming from a place Aaron of Rogers entitlement. Aaron Rodgers is an arrogant Josh quarterback Rosen who's always been an arrogant quarterback. he should have been anointed the first pick overall. And all this, because that's how his life has been. Everything's always been, hey, man, you got this set up for you. You're right. going to be a full ride scholarship here. You're going to be the start. You're not you even going to have to back it. it up. I'm all not, of a I'm, sudden, of course he, he has thinks to back that that same thing that's happened in his whole life of entitlement is going to happen in the draft. All of a sudden, it blasts him in the face. And he's basically also dissing the fact that he got picked 10th overall. Are you flipping kidding me? You know what? He was like not even happy. Then all of a sudden, he's like, wait, I, I should be grateful for this because I got a team that I'm going to play with. Did you see a sour look on Get his face, especially when the uh, Bills moved up this to take Josh Allen? This guy is an absolute problem. He is and I'm not telling a problem. You right now, he is arrogant. He is mentally weak. Now, he's not mentally no, weak. he's not arrogant. He's yeah, mentally he's arrogant. strong because he's going to be able to back up the words. That's what he we're going to say. say it unless he believed he could back it Trust up. me. Okay, so you're so what you're claiming is that people say things with the intent. I have never and the been confidence more enamored with Josh and they're going Rosen to back it up. than I oh, am no. now. Oh, well, I mean, I used problems. to think it was a little this bit bad, but it, bad, the fact that bad, he has bad. put it out this there. This is like the biggest indicator that he's going to fail miserably. He's you know not the biggest reason? Fail. He is he going has to so succeed. Much pressure Mike McCoy on in Arizona is a guru. He has he so made much, Tim Tebow okay. a playoff quarterback. He can certainly do it with a guy like Josh Rosen. He has so much pressure on himself as it is. Yes. To where he's 10th overall. He's literally looked as the savior because obviously Arizona did nothing in free agency. So he's looked at like, okay, you got to come save the franchise. Then on top of it, he compounds that pressure by going and popping off about other guys. Because I'm going to tell you this. Every single guy that's going to come into contact with him is going to sense that. Is going to sense the fact that to make himself feel better. He is confident. He is cocky. He is arrogant. And he has talent. To make himself feel better that he's going to have to slide other people, which doesn't earn you A, friends. B, it doesn't earn you any support in the locker room. Second thing, when you're in a huddle, Every single guy is looking at you on the offensive huddle as the quarterback. Right. You are calling the plays. You're actually sometimes making executive decisions based off formation. He's going to tell Larry Fitzgerald, you go where I tell you. And if they don't have any belief in him because they don't respect him, which they don't right now. Yes. It's fake respect if they do because they know if you're trying to slight somebody else to make yourself feel better, that's weak. Nobody respects that. They're going to listen to him. So the very thing that he's going to try to accomplish, which is to get his guys to rally around him, will not work. I'm telling you right now, he has the most pressure. He has the biggest uphill battle. And every single NFC West defense is going to be so excited to play this guy, to plant this guy in the ground. I mean, I honestly, I would take a fine potential suspension and a uh, a 15-yard penalty to just plant this dude so illegally into the ground that I send him a message that he knows that, hey, this is not the world to where everybody revolves around you. He has no fear. I don't care if he has fear or not, but he'll I will tell your, you that. He'll that, take your best That's licks, how defensive players and play. Only oh, fueled, I understand Trust that. me. He has made he's himself gonna step a target. Up, I guarantee you he he's knows gonna that step he made up himself with a target. He's going to step up with Aaron Donald. Right. Coming right down his grill. Just like uh, Indomitian Sue did to Aaron Rodgers, right? And what's going to happen Kicked is... Him. You know, took a cheap didn't shot kick, at didn't him. Kick that's that's a that's a off the the truth. The truth is he kicked T.J. Lang. So let's go back whoa, to the truth. Whoa, whoa, whoa! He didn't take a cheap shot at Aaron Rodgers. You said he kicked Aaron Rodgers, didn't you? Well, essentially, did you, did you essentially say that? stepped on him. How's that? No, no, no. You said he kicked him. Well, okay, I, I, he stepped on him. Yes, but you said kicked. He well, did not a, kick a kick, a correct stab, whatever. No, he, it's not the same he thing. Forced his body on Aaron Rodgers to purposely hurt the guy. 
Okay. Because he wanted this, to shut up his arrogant way that Aaron Rodgers has lived with throughout his career. The big chip on and his shoulder, what was shoulder, he doing to TJ Lang? served him well. He actually kicked... No, it wasn't TJ Lang. It was Dimitri Smith. Right. He kicked him. Right. So, was he, he saying that the same to Dimitri? Aaron Rodgers. Point is, is that he's going to get Anamagansu, Aaron Rodgers, just to name a few. Yes. Coming at him, unblocked. He is... And, and, and the play is going to require him to have to step up in the pocket and throw a strike in a tight window. And I'm going to guarantee you, they will plant him so hard. He may not get up. He is going to and get, if he up gets up and be better than ever. If he gets up, which he'll, he to save some kind of face, he'll have to. He will not want to take that beating again and again. I'm just telling you right now, this guy, his likelihood of him succeeding has gone really, it's, it's hit right. rock bottom. Here's the thing. Uh, we, we have Josh I mean, Rosen to talk about. Obviously, disgrace the way you know, he's treated Brady the other has guys. been consistent in his disdain for Rosen. It's gone next level. Uh, but the problem is, next level with is all these comments. quarterbacks oh who are taken gosh. high in this draft, I have already on the record that not a single one of these quarterbacks outside of Josh Rosen will ever make a Pro Bowl. We'll ever make a Pro Bowl. You're saying that we're going to tell you never make a Pro Bowl? what the problem is with Baker Mayfield and Cleveland, what the problem is with Sam Darnold with the Jets, what the big problem is for Josh Allen and Buffalo. We'll tell you what's going on from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios coming up next. Harbin and Babinga was not mean what Geico says. Just 50 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Again, we are coming toward the end of the fourth round. Uh, the NFL draft, and as you said, uh, and it is a fact, this is where your scouts, your personnel department really has to earn their keep. These are the rounds, four, five, six, and seven, where you better come up with somebody. And free agency, too. Huge. You better come up with somebody. Talking so undrafted free agents. That's, yeah, it's, it's always, you know, it's it's easy when you're, you're just picking guys at the top because everyone's already got their set. All right, let's talk a little bit about quarterbacks because quarterbacks were the main story of this year's NFL draft. The Cleveland Browns apparently decided that Baker Mayfield was their guy. John Dorsey, their gym, six weeks ago, uh, he had kept it under wraps. There was all the speculation about Darnold, Josh Allen. But as far as Dorsey was concerned, there was never any doubt. They obviously believed that Baker Mayfield can be Drew Brees. And, and then I look at Brees as an example of an undersized quarterback who's an, a very accurate quarterback. Obviously, Mayfield has some athleticism, as does Drew Brees. And they like the leadership qualities, the little chip on the shoulder. Brees always seemed to have that yeah, oh yeah. as an undersized quarterback, throwing the ball as many times as he well, does. Now, Brees, does that mean Baker Mayfield is going to be Drew Brees? But listen to this. Brees had one more scholarship off, uh, college college scholarship offered to Division One team than Baker Mayfield. Yeah, one to Purdue. That was, was to it. Purdue. That was After it. sending all these high school Texas records like he did, exactly. by the way, Mayfield, another Texas kid yeah. out of Austin who got no love anywhere. Yeah. Look, I, I like Baker Mayfield uh, a lot, to be honest with you. I, I, I like his swag. Uh, I like his accuracy. And that's one thing I like. Remember, this is a guy who led the nation in passing efficiency the last two years in a row. He is a high percentage quarterback, low interception rate, uh, has he made mistakes? Yeah, but usually his mistakes are made when his team is trailing and he's, he's trying to force stuff. a few things. But that's that any quarterback's going to do that. Um, the question is, when you go to Cleveland, let, let's talk about Todd Haley and Baker Mayfield because it's Todd Haley that's going to have to uh, be handed the reins <laughs> to figure out an offense to make Baker Mayfield look good. Well, the bottom line is, is that Baker Mayfield will win out. If he struggles his first year, Todd Haley's gone. Hugh Jackson's gone. They'll bring in somebody else. 
Uh, obviously, they've hitched their their franchise wagon behind Baker. But I, you know, I, I was saying it leading up to the about the last week that first, uh, I, I'm fine with the the Browns picking Baker Mayfield. You know, he was phenomenal against Georgia. He was yep. phenomenal against Ohio State. Two top tier defenses that had literally no answers for the guy. He diced them and tore them apart. With his arm, his intelligence, his touch, his accuracy, all those things. And he did it out of the pocket of all places. I, that was my big question. Remember during the college football season, I was like, I didn't look at him as a first-rounder because I didn't see the, the the inside of the pocket. But as he improved, and maybe it wasn't even improved, more just they featured that more, and he showed that he could be proficient. Then I thought, this guy's yeah, he's going to be a for surefire top 10 pick. And the thing, too, that I find funny about Baker Mayfield is you get all these reports were coming out about he flew up the draft boards. And it's like, what the flip are you talking Guys don't fly up the draft boards. That is the biggest fallacy in the draft maybe that there's ever been. And if he's flying up the draft boards, your scouting processes are unsound. If you're going to have the combine, the interviews, and everything after the season mean more than what actually happened during the season, you got you got problems. And you're not going to be employed for long. And with the Browns, I'd have to imagine they knew that he was – the guy that they would that they knew was going to be their number Dorsey one. Or he said guy. he knew six weeks ago. But I mean, never even doubt. after the season, right. he had to have been like, okay, uh, I agree with you. Absolutely. He's our number one guy. And then we got this guy's our number. We, he probably had three guys as his number one guys. I bet you it was Darnold, Saquon, maybe, and then uh, the Sam Darnold. And then they say, okay, well, you know, let's keep looking at the film. Let's see how they you know perform on a few of these things, and then we get the fill form when we actually meet them, which will then get one of them over the top. And so, yeah, I like to pick. I personally would have thought that if I had guessed they would have gone with Sam Darnold because he reminds them more of the reservoir of players that they've had success with. Baker Mayfield sort of outside of that. They haven't really played. They, they, when you talk Alonzo Highsmith, well, Elliott Wolf. success? Who they've had success with? Oh, well, they've had success with Brett Favre. They've had success with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Rogers. those guys. I'm talking about, yeah. I'm not talking about the Browns. I'm talking about the front office making the decision. Well, it's interesting so, that you mentioned Brett Favre because, yeah. yeah, when you think about Sam Darnold, the risk-reward of a guy like Sam Darnold, you, you do think of a guy like Brett Favre, but apparently they look at Baker Mayfield in a Brett Favre wave, even though they're very dynamic. Obviously, Favre had a much bigger arm. He's a bigger guy, more physical guy. Yeah, I don't think they, they saw they, much they, bread they, in him. I, I would say it was more... Well, that, Dorsey said that. I don't know. I, I, I would look. I, I would see it, them, to me, the thing that they liked is how he handled Georgia's defense, right. Ohio State's defense, that had to put him over the top because nobody else could have done... Even Sam Darnold, although it wasn't all his you know, fault, but I mean... He wasn't even close to being able to handle Ohio State's defense no. like no. Baker Mayfield was. Here, and so here, here's my thing about Sam Darnold. I, I thought it was a good pick. That's what I think about it. Well, I, I like the pick. The Jets obviously had made it clear they liked Mayfield, but when he wasn't there, they take Darnold. Now, the last time they took a USC quarterback in the top five, that was Mark Sanchez. Here's my I have two concerns about Sam Darnold. I certainly don't have any questions about his character or his work ethic or any of that. Here's the things that I did see with Sam Darnold his second year as a starter when he didn't have the same supporting cast around him. Obviously, a young offensive line. Ronald Jones was a top-flight running back, but they didn't have the same receivers. Uh, Smith-Schuster was gone. Here's, here's the thing that would concern me on the field with Sam Darnold, and that was indecision. Holding on to the ball, and and I mean, in oh, the hey, NFL, the you can't do that. I mean, Unless you're we have seen a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, a Phillip Rivers, guys that don't have the physical tools maybe that other quarterbacks have. They are successful because of quick decision-making. This is a game where you can't stand there. We were talking about Jared Goff 
uh, you know, in his rookie year that he seemed to just stand there for that split second looking for something, then bam, you go down. Somehow, someway, McVay made it clear to him, you can't do that, man. You no, got to do a scheme, confidence. No, but I mean, you look at the best quarterbacks, it all comes not, down to quick decision-making, yeah, whether it's Rodgers, Brady. It's not Brady, them, though. That's Darnold. Not, it's not them making that decision. A lot of times, it's just the scheme doesn't call for it. Right. The players around you are like, oh, that guy's supposed to come open. He didn't come open. But Darnold tends to look for the big play. And, I don't know if that was and, the case. And, and, and if you got the see what but happened to me, that that's fixable. It doesn't have to do well, with it is the, fixable. It, it doesn't have to do with attributes. To me, it's like I, I would even look at that as being a problem. To me, it's more Helton in his coaching. I mean, the biggest concern with Darnold was the fact he threw so many interceptions, and you wonder is well, he, he careless? fumbled so many times. I don't know if he fumbled, but I know he, he fumbled all with the lot. interceptions. You 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 think is he careless? And as you know, turnovers next to the scoreboard are the most important stat in determining determining who wins the game. So. I mean, to me, it was they were splitting hairs, and they went with the guy they felt with Baker Mayfield that had the chip on his shoulder, that had the swagger. You got to remember Alonzo Highsmith. He was the guy that knocked off when he was with Miami. Oklahoma, remember back when he played? Oklahoma was like the powerhouse, this mystical university. And so I'd have to imagine there was some relationship there with his experience with Oklahoma and the fact that Baker Mayfield came from Oklahoma. So, again, to me, I, I, I was surprised that they did that. Because to me, Darnold's bar, by far more of a resemblance of Brett Favre, who they have had experience with, and Aaron, than Baker. But I, like I said, I, I still like the pick. All right, now there's Josh Allen. So the Bills moved up to get oh. Josh Allen, and immediately Bills linebacker Lorenzo Alexander, who's one of the team's captains, put it out there about the Allen tweets uh, that were racially charged and he said, what I'm going to do is extend some grace and wait to get to know the kid and see how he develops. That's how you got to approach it. But he basically called him out. He said, look, this guy grew up, and apparently he did his research on Josh Allen. Oh, yeah. He grew up in the middle of Fresno, and he said, I think they have less than 1% black people in that town. And he's making comments, used, dropping the M-bomb like he has a right to it. So th- these are things that suddenly it's a seed <laughs> is planted by one of the team leaders about the guy that you moved up to get in the first round as your future quarterback. That doesn't sound good. The problem I had, too, is Josh Allen, he was getting interviewed before the draft about that. He's like, yeah, me and my buddy, we were playing with each other's phones. So he put it on his buddy that his buddy grabbed his phone. I was like, dude. That is just, that's as bad as, I mean, you guys are just all up there looking like a bunch of buffoons. You look terrible. Get up there and just say, look, man, it hit it. It went out there. I don't mean it in a derogatory sense. He, I mean, to me from a, and this is the realities. When you're in a locker room, you hear black guys, the black guys talk, calling each other that name all the time. And, and I come from a place, I'm not, I guess, very educated as to why they call each other that. And I'm like, well, I guess that's a cool thing to call each other. And all of a sudden, you may be calling your buddy that because you hear other black guys saying that, and you may think it's okay. So all of a sudden, I mean, that could be the very much the case. And if that, like if it was me, that's what I said. Look, at that time of my life, my experience was I thought that was like a good thing to say to each other because I had buddies that are black that are calling each other that. They call me that. I don't know what to do. You know, now you're calling me a, race, a racist when right. my buddies are I you know all black guys. I don't know what you're saying. I mean, that's all he had to say it was just basically say, hey, man, I, I guess I didn't know what that meant in the context that you guys are starting to use it. He didn't. He went totally and put it on his buddy. That's besides the fact that uh, the, the, the Buffalo Bills, ladies and gentlemen, are sitting there waiting 
to see an anomaly that has never happened in the history of NFL football. Yeah, no fifty-six percent passer suddenly become a sixty-five percent passer in the, in the NFL. NFL. Yeah, no, no guy that's had really a lot of dominance in the college ranks has ever gone on to dominate the NFL. And you can't count Tom Brady. I get that all the time in my Twitter feed. Brady, you got to get off of this. Tom Brady was not dominant. Go and look at his games. Tom Brady had a number of comebacks. In his senior year when he was the starter that sealed the deal for that Michigan team. He's on a pretty good Michigan team also. You can't look at the stats and say that's going to define it. But you got to look beyond the stats. Tom Brady was by far a more dominant college football player than Josh Allen. And oh, by the way, Tom Brady got drafted in the sixth round. He wasn't even looked at as a top 10 pick. That tells you where the Browns are praying. Or the Browns, excuse me, the Buffalo Bills are praying for an anomaly, something that's never happened. Hope it does. Hey, I'm a Wyoming guy. Don't get me wrong, but it based off of history, probably is not going to happen. Well, and that's that was the pick, by the way, that really put Josh, Josh Rosen, Rosen over the, the edge. Oh, when, yeah. when he heard the Bills moving up, because remember what <laughs> happened was, him. was... Oh, they're well, coming after me? Well, right. well remember what happened at the sense. top of the draft. So you, you, we were assuming... <laughs> That the Browns at number four were going to take Chubb, but instead they took Denzel Ward. And so yeah. Denver, who was waiting for Buffalo's phone call, said, What? Yeah. Bradley Chubb is there. We'll keep Boom. him. We'll yeah. take him. So that that man now Buffalo's like, Well, now where are we going to go? So they found a, a, a buyer in Tampa at number seven. And so when they moved up, I, again, Josh Rosen assuming, Here comes Here's my call. My, yeah. And they call out Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Uh, by the way, the last time Arizona took a quarterback, their future quarterback at 10 overall. Matt Leiner yeah. was the 10th overall pick by Arizona, and then they brought in a guy named Kurt Warner to mentor him. Instead, he put him on the bench. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Alex Marvez is going to be joining us, breaking down what has transpired in this NFL draft. Well, let's bring on Gascon right now, David. Man. Ah, a lot man. of good stuff today, David. A lot, a lot of good stuff. A lot of fire from Brady today, Well, you know, I... Oh, I, man, I, see, I live a fire-breathing dragon. See, I, I li- <laughs> see, anytime I was able to bring Aaron Rodgers in with Josh Rosen, I knew I'd spark him. Oh, yeah. So I, well, the thing is, is I know... This is where you guys don't... Because they are the I same I know guy. Aaron Rodgers personally. Yeah. Yes. Josh Rosen, I do not. Right. Yes. And even so, I've never heard in a personal... Even in a personal setting... Aaron say something as terrible and as degrading as Josh Rosen just said to all of his his uh, well, counterparts I, there at the draft. I, I, I played that soundbite where he basically said, "Yeah, they." Nah, that's nah, not even close. <laughs> not even close. No. Hey, hey, I must. Uh, you, you guys got to give me the floor at least for a second because I, ahead, I do need to apologize, in particular to Brady, because. This kind of stems all the way back from a couple months ago, talking about the draft and and Baker Mayfield goes number one. He goes over Josh Rosen. That's uh, mm. that's a good job by you. I mean, did I say that? I think I might have said that. Yeah, no. yeah, you, yeah, yeah. That's what we talked about. You talked I'm about. I'm surprised being... Josh Rosen didn't call you out. I want to thank you, Brady Papinga, for <laughs> poisoning the minds of NFL uh, teams. Yeah. And, <laughs> Yeah, basically. Right. I appreciate you throwing me a little credit there. Yeah, Thank no, no you. problem at all. Guys, uh, fourth round of the draft is going on right now. San Francisco took Kentavious Street out of NC State. I don't know if you guys watched his workouts, but they did show a video clip of him squatting over 700 pounds mm. while he was with the Wolfpack. One notable figure that was picked up, Antonio Callaway was grabbed in the fourth round. Pick 105 overall by the Cleveland Browns. 
Callaway failed a drug test at the NFL Combine. The Florida wide receiver tested positive for marijuana. Anyways, in the NBA, a couple of games tonight. Game 7 in Boston, Celtics and Bucks. John Henson, the forward for the Bucks, is unlikely to play in that ball game. And then game number 1, Western Conference semifinal. Warriors and Pelicans get underway from Oracle Arena. Tip-off time is at 10.30. Off the court, David Fisdale, former Grizzlies head coach, will be interviewing for the Hawks open coaching spot vacancy and the NHL Lightning and Bruins today in game number one other Eastern Conference second round matchup Golden Knights and Sharks in game number two Knights blitz the Sharks in game one seven nothing all right, very good, David. Thanks so much. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Well, you we missed him last week because he was so busy in preparation for the draft, but we find a few minutes to talk to the man himself from Sirius XM NFL Radio, Sporting News NFL Insider, the one and only Alex Marvez. <gasps> so much to cover in such a short amount of time, but let's start at the very top with the decision by Cleveland to go to Baker Mayfield Apparently, Dorsey had him as the guy for weeks and weeks and weeks. That's a report we hear. What are you understanding about why ultimately Baker Mayfield was the choice of the Cleveland Browns? Well, because I think John Dorsey believes that the NFL's offensive systems are changing. And, you know, I think he knew that. He kept that in mind when it came to the acquisition of Tyrod Taylor. And I think you're going to see more of the Kansas City-style offense, you know, that, that obviously Andy Reid put in, but had contributions from a Matt Nagy. I had contributions from Brad Childress, et cetera. But he is going to bring that offense now to the Cleveland Browns, and he's expecting Todd Haley to run that offense. I don't expect the type of system that Ben Roethlisberger had. It wouldn't be conducive for success. I think with, with you know, Baker, I'm talking about expecting him, to, you know, at six feet, six foot, six foot and a half to make the same type of throws and, and do the same types of things as Ben Roethlisberger. But I think this is in, in anticipation of a new NFL. That's what I think separated him. And also he had Scott McClune whispering in his ear, the former Washington Redskins general manager, has a lot of sway with John, and he loves him some Baker Mayfield. And that was evident with the number one pick in the draft. Well, I need to know what the heck happened with Darius Geis. It said he got in a shouting match with the Eagles, maybe with some other uh, teams. What's going on there? It, it dropped his it, stock? It, 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 well, it's interesting that you say that. It wasn't just that. Okay, bad combine interviews. Apparently, he lied at the combine uh, when some teams questioned him on some things. Uh, you know, uh, what I was told, and this is directly from an NFL player personnel director who sent this to me, likes to party, was one of the knocks on him as well. Uh, you know, just real concerns about how he was going to conduct his life off the field. And Darius did himself no favors. You know, unfortunately, during this pre-draft process, the Redskins, they believe that these are just little things. I mean, it wasn't the type of thing the guy told me that, that you know, was going to keep him from getting drafted. But it was enough, you know, that if teams just decided, hey, we don't want to take this risk that high in the draft on a player like Darius Geis because we think that there may be issues down the road. So, unfortunately for Darius, he's one of those players that did not help himself through the pre-draft process because he just he carried too much baggage and didn't do anything to help himself. Uh, it's always interesting on who teams were laying low on and trying to steal, and apparently one of those guys was Rashad Penny. Uh, John Schneider, the uh, GM of the Seahawks, said a team targeted Penny after they'd actually taken him. He said he'd never had that before. What was the buzz on Penny? Because most draft boards had him maybe as the number five running back at the best. Was he actually behind the scenes, a guy that a lot of teams were interested in? 
Well, it's, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? And then, you know, the Seahawks thought that he had a great week at the Reese's Senior Bowl. The people I spoke with there said that he was sort of a nondescript week at the Reese's Senior Bowl, while Kalen Balaj of Arizona State was a guy who caught your eye, and, and Rashad Penny was just not, just wasn't very spectacular, very flashy. But, you know, that, that's again, you go back to the college film and you look at a guy, first, the medical is clean, and that is huge. And that was one of the things uh, with Sony Michelle, with Bradley Chubb, uh, that concerned teams, uh, or not Bradley, Nick Chubb, rather, I'm sorry, uh, the Georgia both Georgia running backs, you know, not having clean medicals was something that NFL teams can get concerned about. And they even alluded to this, uh, the Seahawks did during John Schneider during his pre-draft or post-draft news conference. Another thing as well, he's used to playing with a fullback. That's something that they like because they are going to be adopting that system under Brian Schottenheimer. So it's not something that he's going to have to get used to doing. He's already done it. Uh, and the fact that the kid was extremely productive at San Diego State, not a ton of wear and tear, and was also effective on punt returns. They envision him as being in every down back. And again, look, the Seahawks, if they don't get a right with him, then there's a real problem. Because ever since Marshawn Lynch, we can look at the cavalcade of draft picks and free agent signings that the Seahawks have invested in this running back position. They've never been able to get it right. They need to be able to get it right now with Rashad Penny. So I'm not happy with what Josh Rosen said. I felt like that was not an indicator of a competitor. What say you there, Alex, about his comments, the mistakes, saying that everybody else, you watch, I'll be the last one standing, those kinds of things. Is it really competitiveness, or is there something deeper there that's troubling? Well, you know, I think when you, say, when you say troubling, here's what it is. I think there's a lack of self-awareness, maybe, when it comes to Josh Rosen, mm-hmm. because now the target that he has placed on his back it's huge because any time now that he screws up, you know, oh, you know, that's what he's going to hear, right? As he goes through this growing process, or suddenly another quarterback initially, maybe even early on in their career, playing better than Josh, and he's going to hear about, oh, well, you know, you said you'd be the best player, and then initially when he said he's better than all nine guys that were taken ahead of him, he tried to clarify that with the Cardinals on Friday by saying that, no, I just meant the three other quarterbacks. That's just how I feel. But it is something that that's you know he's going to have to live that down. It's like Josh Allen going to have to live down, uh, you know, the tweets that he sent out. When he was in high school, uh, that you know he says we're innocent, and I, you know, I, I didn't mean it like that. But he's going to have to explain to his Buffalo Bills teammates, who might be skeptical at first, uh, about what the genesis of that was, and, and move on from there. So, yeah, I mean, look, J- Josh Rosen not doing himself any favors. You know, this is you haven't done anything in the NFL yet. Let's see you play. And it's funny too, though. Think about the target he has on his back. Lamar Jackson declared himself a Super Bowl winning quarterback after being <laughs> selected at number thirty-two by the Baltimore Ravens. No one's beaten up on Lamar for saying something like that, right? Instead, it's Josh Rosen who's become this lightning rod for criticism for what he said. So, you know, again, you place it on the young. Sometimes people say things that, you know, you're going to regret later. Well, those, I think, are two statements that, that are regrettable and show maybe a lack of self-awareness that needs to come in the NFL. Ravens moved into the first round to take Lamar Jackson. What's the game plan there? I have an extensive story about that at SportingNews.com, why he was getting back so much during the pre-draft process. And listen, I think with Greg Roman there as the assistant head coach, tight end coach, guy who basically helps handle the running game, you could potentially see Lamar Jackson on the field sooner than later with some Colin Kaepernick-type run packages to mix him in with some Joe Flacco right there while they continue to groom Lamar as a passer. He told me himself this past week in Arlington that, look, I've got to improve my base. My base, I get too narrow when I throw. He's been working on that. He's been doing these figure eight drills to try to continue to work on his ability to throw out of the pocket. You know, one, uh, Mark Dominic, in fact, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers general manager, told me that, hey, the, the big thing you worry about with him is his propensity to, to just automatically, after one receiver's not open, to just tuck and run. 
and you're not going to have a long NFL career if that's the case. You got to go through your progressions. You got to feel confident knowing where the receivers are, know where that outlet is, and then if you think you have to run or it's just something's wide open, then you take off upfield. And you know, look at the number of carries that he's had at the college level. He did improve as a passer last year, almost 60% completion percentage above the Josh Allen line that I know Brady Papinga always pays attention to. But you know, so I, I think. But I think you know that's the thing with, with Lamar. Look, he's he's again. These are developmental prospects. They all have flaws in their game coming into the NFL, and those are some of the ones with Lamar. But a lot of it, I, I think he's a likable kid. I think people really, you know, they enjoy him. His teammates enjoyed him. Talking to Jair Alexander, you know, now with the Packers, their first round pick at corner, he said it was like Lamar never won the Heisman. Like it never happened. Like he never talks about it. No way, you know, he doesn't even, he doesn't, never just gets brought up because he just wants to be, you know, a guy. He wants to be one of the guys, but he wants to lead. And, and that's just not him to be braggadocious. So I think those are some real redeeming qualities for him. He's a likable guy. Now the question is this is he willing to work? And one other thing, hate to say it, these Wonderlick scores leak out, but he scored a 13 on the Wonderlick. That usually doesn't bode well for NFL success. You'd be very hard pressed to find a quarterback who's ever scored a 13 or lower that has gone on to extended NFL success. Okay, staying with that there, Alex, Joe Flacco. And I know that you know every team, it could be different, it's all performance-based. But are they going to give Lamar Jackson every opportunity to pretty much dethrone Joe, Joe Flacco, get out of that contract, and then give the reins to Lamar Jackson? Is that what this means? Well, for, for you know, for this year, this is Joe's team, and while they may pepper Lamar Jackson in, this is this is Joe's you know t- time to show. Hey, I'm still a franchise quarterback. I'm still the guy that that should be collecting sixty three million dollars in salary between 2019 and 2021. That's how much time is left on Joe's contract. Honestly, it, it's it's unfortunate because whether it's injuries, whether it's due to lack of supporting cast, changes in offensive coordinators, or maybe just a decline in Joe's play himself. He has not proven worth the money in recent years. And after three straight years of mediocrity, they realize that they may, may need to move on from him. It's, in fact, it's likely and move on to a new generation with Lamar Jackson. So for Joe Flacco, this is almost like Alex Smith. This is a prove-it year. And if a team doesn't mind paying $18 million, $19 million a year for Joe Flacco next year in a trade scenario, well, that's ultimately what you would see unless they want to give Joe a new deal. But I would imagine he may be playing out several more years under his current contract. All right, I only want to give out one grade, one grade for this draft. Alex Marvez, A. There it is right there. (laughs) Alex Marvez, A. All right? Everybody else will wait for three years, then I'll grade out the draft. Alex, as always, super stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Can't wait, guys. Be good. All right, Alex Marvez, Sirius XM NFL Radio, Sporting News NFL Insider. I just mock these guys and try to grade a draft the day of the draft. Are you kidding me? That's like giving somebody a grade on a test before you've taken the test. Exactly. Call me in three years. I'll grade the draft. All right? All right. So, um, the Giants. At number two took Saquon Barkley, hoping that a star running back will extend the career of Eli Manning. Will it work? We're going to tell you. Coming up next. Harbin and Papinga, great news. There's a quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Well, while the Browns may have surprised a few people with taking Baker Mayfield at number one, no one was surprised when Saquon Barkley went number two to the Giants. I think everybody had agreed, unless the Browns took Barkley uh, at one, that the Giants were going to go there. Why did they go with Saquon Barkley? Well, I think some of it has to do with history. When we look at John Elway late in his career, when the development of Terrell Davis, it it sort of extended Elway's life and in some ways made him a better quarterback. Look at what's happened in New Orleans. All of a sudden, Drew Brees setting an NFL record for pass completion percentage with the two-headed monster he has at running back right now. 
So we know that the Giants are all in as far as Eli Manning is concerned, and they feel that if you bring in a guy who, again, put together one of the most impressive combines of any running back of all time, and he's he seems to be an outstanding kid and everything yeah, else, yeah. There's, there's nothing there, that Rashad Penny is going to afford Eli Manning the same extension on I his mean, career. Saquon, Bar- Saquon, Bar- uh, Saquon Barkley is going to extend the career of Eli Manning much as we're seeing what's going on big in problem. New Orleans. Big difference. First, the number one trade is Saquon isn't running between the tackles, which you know Terrell Davis or Terrell. Is it Terrell or Terrell? Terrell. Terrell. It's Terrell yeah, Davis. It's Terrell Owens, Terrell oh, there Davis. There we go. Yeah, Terrell Davis, that was his MO, obviously. He yeah. was a heck of between the tackles guy, which when you can run the ball, we know that it opens up the passing a one game. cut back. Yeah, and the problem with the Giants, even these last couple years, even when they went to the playoffs, they couldn't run the ball worth darn anyway. So it was all on Eli. And Saquon doesn't bring that presence. I mean, we talked about this in uh, the nauseum. And you and I are on the same page on this. his weakness is toughness. He doesn't want to run it up in there and pound a one-yard or two-yard gain when nothing's there. He wants to bounce everything. And you saw it against Ohio State where they had contained, they had everything you know, all fit together, meaning there was no place to run in the middle of the, the offense. He kept losing yards. They were finding themselves in second and 13s, third and 15s, because he wasn't willing to put his head down and push forward for at least a yard or just keep things even to where you're out. You know, you don't even get a game, but at least you're not losing yards. Well, can you change a back or is that instinctual? Yo, I mean, ideally, you would, you, you would think, I would say from film, see, Gettleman, I, I know why he picked him. He picked him because of Christian McCaffrey. Right. He, he was with Carolina last year and he's, he's seeing Saquon in the same mold. But the problem is, is say, Christian was an in between the guy in between tackles runner was really good last year too in his rookie year in between the tackles barely averaged three yards a carry though who McCaffrey. Uh, that's okay I'm not worried about the average because right. in the NFL generally speaking you're going to have eighty to ninety of your ninety percent of your runs are going to be one yard no so what game if you use place. them like they use McCaffrey which was more as a receiver. Right, Which, it's, Which it's the same fine. thing that happened with it's Reggie fine, Bush in New Orleans, waste, right? But but still though, you're you're wasting away that pick at two, especially when you got guys. Rashad Penny's one later on that you easily could have gotten or trade up to get or whatever that would have given you the dual threat ability that you're hoping to get. Christian McCaffrey last year, the reason why I said he was the best player available because you get two for one. You get a guy who can run like Ezekiel Elliott, but then you get a slot receiver type out of him. You don't get that out of Saquon because he's not an effective in-between-the-tackles runner. He wants to bounce everything. In the NFL, bouncing it is not going to earn you much. Ask Reggie Bush. That's all he tried to do. And, you know, his career was his career. He had a great career, 10 years. Uh... And had a bunch of success, but it, it doesn't justify that second overall value, and that's where we're at. And I that to me is the worst pick of the draft. That was an overstretch. Now, well, what would you have com- done with the, the Giants? Would you have traded down? What would you have done? Would you have taken? I'd a quarterback? taken a quarterback. You would have taken Darnold Sam Darnold, my guard guy. And I said, Eli, toughen up or just leave. I mean, I can't stand Eli's weakness, his crying, his pouting. I don't care if you're a future Hall of Famer. I've seen it with Brett. It's like you can go, move on, and go have success elsewhere. Right now, Eli Manning is literally taking the New York Giants hostage. Like they don't want to offend him, and it's just an absolute. It's a problem. Right, and we even heard from the you know, after Pat Shermer was hired that basically he had been told, if you want this job, you have to be all in on Eli Manning. Which is weird because they 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 threw my guy, McAdoo, under the bus because yes. they said the opposite to him. We need to move on from him, and he did. The very thing they did, wanted him to, and it turned out to be this huge drama, and then they changed their minds a week later and then fired Ben McAdoo. I mean, and they, they told Shermer, problems. you have to, if you want this job, you have to be all in on Eli Manning. And, I, and I'm sure he's fine with that, and he can handle that, but to me, that that was the smartest choice for the team organizational standpoint is you choose the best player. 
And, so, and Saquon was not the best player. If he was a better run between one hundred between the tackles, let's say just to the level of Christian McCaffrey, I would have said that makes sense. But he's not even close. Look at his numbers in college. He was very anemic running the football. All right, so there you go. Uh, the Giants going there, and then of course. You know, the whole Sam Darnold situation, I, to me, Darnold is still the big question mark. I mean, what do the Jets have right now with Sam Darnold? I mean, do, do, does he have any working pieces? We know when you're at a USC, you got five-star well, players all around you. two really huge resources that can help him in his transition. One is going to be Josh McCown. The other is Jeremy Bates, offense coordinator. He was, I know his brother very well, James Bates. His dad, Jim Bates, was my defense quarterback here. And he's done what? He's worked magic. Anywhere he's gone, he's worked with, he's actually helped Cutler. You know, when he's with the Bears, even I believe in Denver. So he's got a supporting cast there to receive him that's going to be able to help him succeed. And that is the most important thing. So, I mean, to me, I think he's going to the perfect place in the Jets. They got really lucky being able to get him at three. All right, much more on the draft. We're here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Plus... The end of the road for Oklahoma City in the playoffs. What's going to be the future for Russell Westbrook and where Paul George is going to end up next? Mm. Coming up next. Oh, rolling on a big Saturday. Harbin and Papinga coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. NBA playoff action is rolling right now. And one team that exited the scene, the Oklahoma City Thunder, in one of the most bizarre games ever yesterday as they uh, meekly won out against the Utah Jazz. You know, and, and the bottom line is Utah is a better team. Well, they had the best player. He might be the best player in the NBA right now whoa, whoa, when you talk whoa, about whoa, whoa. Donovan Mitchell. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, that's a stretch, but the, when you say, you know, he's the, the best rookie to come out right. maybe in the last, I don't know, decade. What? Wait a second. Hold on here. 15 years. Yes. I mean, he, I mean, he's doing stuff that's never been done since Will Chamberlain. When you talk scoring and, you know, he's, he led his team. I don't know. I don't know. Another stat, like he was the first one in history to lead his team on a 15 game winning streak or something like that and scoring. I mean, it, stuff that never has been done before. And when you watch him play, he is special, man. He when it when it was like in the third quarter, and it, and it was still it's just Utah had no offense and no continuity. Same with Oklahoma City. It basically Donovan said, "Okay, I'm going to play point, and I'm just going to break down this defense." And I mean, he sl- I mean slashed through their defense, and he has this really cool kind of up and under scoop move, like a Jordan kind of move. To where you get the Steven Adams shot blocker guys to commit to well, the Mitchell's up. a nice story, but that's not Under the story. Boom. Story is not Mitchell. But Mitchell I mean, we can't Mitchell talk is, about this without first going right, that well, route give, because he's give, special. All right, give we have Mitchell's to give credit. him credit. Nobody's seen him this whole year because he's you know he's in a small market team in Utah, but he is a once in a generational See, player that was he 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 upstaged uh, Russell Westbrook and that. Picked him off. All right. Because he was eclipsed. Here's the difference between you and me. You look for the positive. I seek the negative. All right. Well, makes us so a good you team. give us the. <laughs> now, there was more negative in this game than there was positive. Yes, Mitchell obviously is a prize rookie and he's moving on in the playoffs and he may do further damage in the playoffs. But the story in this game was the exit of the Thunder. They had the home court advantage. They, you know, got eliminated in six games by the Utah Jazz, but the numbers last night for Russell Westbrook are still mind-blowing. 
So Mind-blowing. So selfish. So you see that he had 46 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. But then you dig a little deeper. He took 43 shots, including an NBA playoff record 19 three-point attempts. That's the most three-point attempts ever in an NBA playoff game, only three short of the all-time NBA record for most three-point shots in any game for a guy that's not a three-point shooter. Westbrook is not a three-point shooter. He's a low-percentage three-point shooter. Meanwhile, Paul George, in what will probably be his last game as a member of the Thunder in 45 minutes, two for 16, five points, and then the wretched Carmelo Anthony, seven points. His plus-minus was a minus 19. Thanks for not showing up this year, Carmelo Anthony, whose career is done. To me, the biggest issue is Russell Westbrook. I mean, how does he go from being this triple-double guy? Yeah, Because that's, in in theory, that's supposed to be like your all kind of utility guy who does anything it takes to win. Yes. Ultimate facilitator. And yet you can't get guys like, you know, uh, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony at least just going. Like to me, that, to me, Paul George, and I was watching him, because you know in basketball, it's all about rhythm and flow. There's no rhythm and flow. And it's because Russell Westbrook is so inconsistent. You don't know if he's going to hog the ball or if all of a sudden he's going to like pass up an easy lip and like dish it off to you. I mean, it's, he's so unpredictable. You never get comfortable around him. And then his personality is very volatile. I mean, he is a problem. But think you about can, this. You'll never be able to win with that Kevin kind of guy. Kevin Durant won four scoring titles and an MVP award that's unbelievable. playing with Russell Westbrook. And that took, I mean, that's how unbelievably good Kevin Durant is. And that's why, I, I'm telling you right now, Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City is because of him. I would. It would be a nightmare to be Russell Westbrook's teammate. To be one moment to where he's like looking like he's going to beat you up to the next moment he's goofing around. Next moment he wants to beat you up. But next Durant he's won an MVP award with Russell Westbrook. That's as a what teammate. I'm saying. It's unbelievable. But you remember Kevin Durant when he was being pitched by the Golden State Warriors? Yes. He made a comment of, "Man, it'd be fun to be in an environment that's loose. It's fun." He and, and, and guess what he was saying. I'm not having fun being with Russell Westbrook. It had nothing to do with Oklahoma City. It had nothing to do with the organization. It had nothing to do with the coach. Nothing to do with the scheme. Everything to me now is it's is this whole thing with Russell Westbrook is coming to the surface. Had to do with being his teammate is a nightmare. Worst teammate known to man. And you don't know what you're going to get with the guy. And that's a problem because every single one of his teams are going to be like this. No matter if you put, I mean, you'd ha- I mean, even if you put like LeBron James on his team. It would be two big alpha males butting head because when you got two big personalities, you have to give and take. And that's what Kevin Durant's done. I mean, you look what he's gone to the Golden State. That's what's been so amazing about their their run and how good they played is he's totally been like, we're going to fit together. I'll take 10 less shots or eight less shots. Let's, and Steph's done the same. Clay's done the same. Draymond, you know. And that, would ne- that never will happen with Russell Westbrook, and that's a problem. All right. The future of Paul George. Follow me on this. Are you ready for this? What's so up? everyone's assuming Paul George is going to be a Laker, right? Well, he's not going to be in Oklahoma City. I can promise you that. But I'll guarantee you that. All right, I'm going to lay out a deal for you for the Lakers that get some Paul George and make some better for the future, All and right. it doesn't include LeBron James. All right. All right, here, how's, I like here's it. how it Break works. Break it down. The Lakers make a trade with San Antonio straight up. Brandon Ingram for Kawhi Leonard. They won't take it. Brand, uh, Kawhi Leonard's a walkaway free agent at the end of next year. He's out of San Antonio. He so you're will saying go. they're going to get desperate? 
because he's walk away. That the, the, he doesn't want to be in San Antonio. I get that. Now I the Lakers see that being a giving up Brandon Ingram, a twenty year old with upside potential, is huge. But if you have this lineup for the Lakers next year, you have Kawhi Leonard, you have Paul George, you have enough money to re-sign Julius Randle. You got Kyle Kuzma. You have Lonzo Ball. How's they, how's that lineup looking to you right now? It's really good, and they would fit personality. I would because to me, Paul George is a cool dude, right? He's a he's a good dude. He looks anyway like this to where he's he's willing to fit. Yes, willing to do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. He's a heck of a shooter. You get it, and, and and his shooting, you can't just throw like each other the ball and sort of you know clear out that side of the court and then okay, let's see you go. You can't do that. There's got to be some ebb and some flow. Like Utah, they had awesome offense. Their offense was simple. It's like, let's attack and then dish back out. I mean, there was like an actual principle to their offense outside of, all right, we're going to play one-on-one and let's clear the floor and let this guy. I mean, that's not Paul George's game. And if that group comes together, like you had mentioned, yeah, they would fit very nicely together. There'd be a lot more cohesiveness and movement and you would see guys like Paul George play probably three or four notches better. And by the way, with Kawhi Leonard leaving San Antonio, Ingram going there, hello, LeBron James in San Antonio. <laughs> I'm telling you again. I'm not, I'm I'm, not I'm, doubting I, that I, one. Huh? Huh? Okay. I like that. So I think again, that's actually I, I, I have Nick shaking his head. So you don't like a lineup of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lonzo Ball, Julius Randle, Kyle Kuzma. You don't like that lineup. I love that. The thing is, Steve, I think San Antonio would say no San Antonio, that's yeah, the that's... best offer that we have on the table for Kawhi Leonard no. is a 20-year-old no. Brandon Ingram. Just Ingram. No Just way. In, I wouldn't no give up anything. I'm with you, Nick. A they 20-year-old Brandon, for a guy that's no. going to be a walkaway free agent no. at the end of the year? No, I'm not taking I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll play the, the uh, Lakers, poker game. Should the Lakers say yes? Yeah, but there's no way. The Lakers need to offer more than that. There, no, no, they don't. Yes, for oh, Brandon Ingram? Why that's, would you give that, up more? That's not an equal trade. You would have to get, like, if for Kawhi, and if you wanted a deal, you'd Kawhi have to Kawhi is leaving San Antonio. Picks. Don't you understand? He's I get not that. staying. But if I'm a Laker, look, I'll tell you this. If, if I could if get I Brandon Laker, Ingram, I'd take him in a heartbeat. Then i sign LeBron so, James. My San Antonio's not going to take that deal. And, and Lakers, would they would be, like, blown away if San Antonio actually, like, yep. accepted that deal. To me, if I'm a Laker, what's justifiable for that deal would be Brandon. Like a guy, fine, Brandon Ingram, but at least throw in a first round draft choice. And Kuzma, oh, I, uh, unconditional. I, I, you can throw him all the draft. You're not going to throw in Kuzma. I don't no know. Well, well, no, you no, 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 no. That's what they'll ask well, for. Fine, then we give him you draft need, picks. Yeah, okay, yeah. You did. You either have to go that or a draft pick. But there's no way it's going to be a one to one. All right, change. well, give him a draft pick. I don't care about draft picks. I want to see players out there. <laughs> I am telling you, it can happen. Yeah. That is a possibility. Another team would give up so much more, Steve. No, gotta, but on. it's not a value. Brandon Ingram is. A s- extremely valuable player right now. He's good, but he's, he's 20 years he's old. He's nowhere near Kawhi He's got a lot of upside. No, he's got a long way to go. But, again, going to San Antonio would be a great fit I for mean, a guy like I mean, did you hear Brandon what Popovich Ingram. said about Aldridge? Remember when they had their little heart-to-heart? Loves Aldridge. And he told Aldridge, he's like, look, man, the only way I'm trading you is we got to get a Kevin Durant talent. So unless well, A lot that's of people come- thought that Brandon Ingram is Kevin Durant. Okay, I... I- you already said it yourself. He's not, okay? Right. And so, you know, Popovich thinks even highlier, is that even a word? I it's don't know. higher yes. of Kawhi Leonard. So, if he's going to want, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Durant talent for Aldridge, he's going to want a Krev- Kevin Durant already level Kevin yeah, but Durant what if talent. You could get LeBron and James. something else. If you have LaMarcus Aldridge, Brandon Ingram, and LeBron it's James, how does San Antonio look? What? You mean you're in a trade? No, he's going to sign with San Antonio. <laughs> you're still not just going to let Kawhi walk. Yes, you're getting Brandon him off the Ingram. books. Yes, because he's going to walk him anyway. The, no, no, you're not going to do that. You're he not going to. He is done. Do it, it, part it of Kawhi come, Leonard is done in San Antonio. 
Well, okay, he's still Done. got one year left. Well, I understand he had, that's why you got to make a then trade. Then if I'm San Antonio, I wouldn't care. I would I would literally go to the deadline of when the last possible moment was, and there's somebody else that's yeah, going to come up and give you more. Yeah, but you clearing cap space to get LeBron James. It would doesn't you, matter. Would you trade Kawhi Leonard for LeBron James? Because, see, Steve, the problem with your, your thinking is that you're thinking that they're only going to be negotiating with the Lakers, Okay. There's I understand other teams other are going to make offers. I think it's the best trade because, no again, way. you got Ingram on a rookie contract. Look, Steve, if I were no, to say, can is, you trade Kawhi Leonard There's... for LeBron James and Brandon Ingram, would you say yes? No, because no, the, no, because I could sign LeBron on the free agent market. Then I can go if the Lakers. But you got to like, clear the cap space. And if I'm like, oh, the Lakers are going to, I want, I want, you know, I want to do a deal with the Lakers or whatever, and I all, all the Lakers are offering me is Brandon Ingram. I'd go to the 31 other teams and say, hey, we got Kawhi here. We got one offer. I guarantee you there'd be probably at least 30 other teams that would say, yeah, we'll give you our best player plus No, there's a lot extra. of deals that are going to be on the table. I am just I just use the Lakers as an example I, but that's not market value. Paul George. I know, but that's not market value. That's my it point. Is value. It's Brandon Ingram. There's value, but it's not market value. Oh, yeah, you spit on Brandon Ingram. And all it takes is one other team. Don't you think there's one desperate team out there that would pay, like, they would pretty much I mean, trade their whole they're, roster? They're, yeah, there are always desperate teams out there. But that's again, my point. I want quality. And I, I get it, but that's the point is they don't think that way, Steve. Popovich is like, it's all about market demand. We know we can get more than one player of Brandon England's talent for Kawhi, and they'd probably have three offers on the table for that and instantaneous. So there's no risk. There's no risk of it, Kawhi Leonard walking. The only uh, the only risk is is for the Lakers that you would have to, an alternative. The Lakers have place said to all send along Kawhi. that Brandon Ingram is untouchable. Untouchable. It doesn't matter. They're still not. The, untouchable, you, but he's touchable if you can Popovich get Kawhi Leonard. Popovich is not going Remember to this, just take it. If you're discounts. the Lakers, you still have to sign Kawhi you're Leonard funny, to a long-term man. deal. That's he's a, a walk-away free agent. All right. That's my point, though. He's he's a walk-away. but gets you got, him, it will be a walk-away. But, Steve, you're not you're not considering the fact that he's on the open market. They could talk to every single one other right, team. Right, but other teams are not going to throw a lot at the San Antonio Spurs knowing that Kawhi Leonard could opt out after the season. Steve, they are because they know they're competing for each other. They, they know that they're know competing they for his services. Stay wherever he's going to be. Because if you could trade for a guy, you don't have to deal with him on the free market. And so they're not going to ever do this that. This goes back to the Lakers' mistake with Dwight Howard. They made that deal thinking that Dwight Howard was going to stay in L.A. They ended up paying dearly for that Dwight Howard trade. But that's not the case. This, this doesn't relate to oh, yeah. this. Dwight is going to re-sign. Yeah, I know he's a walk no. away, but he's not going anywhere. No, you don't get He'll it. you always want to be a Laker. No, no, what I'm saying is, is that, sure, he's a walk away, but as soon as he's made available in a trade, there's going to be at least 20 teams wanting to they're bid gonna, on him. But they're not going to offer Steve, huge Steve. packages. Are you kidding me? For a walkaway free agent? Of course they would. And the reason why they would is because you wouldn't want him to get to the free agent market because then you're going to have a bidding war and then he could choose wherever you go. Whereas if you send a big package in a trade to the San Antonio Spurs, you're guaranteeing yourself you're going to get him. So it doesn't make sense. The right, market does not dictate that. We're, you're going to have to give more if you're the Lakers. Uh, than just I, I, Brandon Ingram to get Kawhi Leonard. Give him a pick. All right, uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. We're not done with Russell Westbrook yet, and neither are the fans. <laughs> Wait to hear this coming up next. Harmon and Papinga, we're coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. We're just talking during the break about perception of cities and fan bases. You know, where, where where do you think the tough fans are? Where do you think the uh, the nice fans are? I mean, <laughs> unless you've actually been to any of these cities, you have no clue. Now, I, I've, I've been in several NBA cities, 
And, and look, there's always going to be good fans and bad fans. I mean, that's just part of the game. There's always going to be trash talkers. But you're, you're sort of looking at a a general consensus, right? I mean, you get a feel for a crowd. Yeah. You know, if, you know, Philadelphia crowds have always been notorious for, you know, being rough, uh, you know, and there's some other crowds that are a little bit soft. You know, I actually, it's interesting. I, 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 I when NFL, because I've been in a lot more NFL cities than I yeah. have NBA cities, uh, some of the most vicious uh, NBA and NFL cities. I mean, for instance, back in the day when I worked for the then LA Raiders, Seattle, Denver, Kansas City, San Diego were the four teams in the division. And they all had rabid fans. But the worst were San Diego. Really? In those days, you know, you think now San Diego became soft. But I'm talking about vicious fights, taking out Raider fans. Hmm. Wasn't even close. Yeah, now that's San Francisco. But uh, well, not now that well, the old stadium, Candlestick. Well, how about in your division? I mean, with the Bears and the <sighs> Lions and the Vikings, was there any one of those rival teams, cities that was worse than any other? See, when I was there, we dominated the Lions, so they had a tough time really. And the fans were nondescript. And they, yeah, they, they had a tough time really having any. How about kind Bears of, fans? See, they, that was more even, and they still had yeah, a tough Bears. time. I don't know. I, Vikings fans and this, the Viking fans are the same. Like I almost see, see Viking fans are interesting. They're almost like wish they could be Packer fans, but they feel like they have to be Vikings fans because yeah. they're in Minnesota and they got a team there. If they, if all of a sudden the Vikings left, let's say like remember their stadium was not was question whether it's going to be built. If they would have left, they all would be Packer fans. So it's not really a division. I I can imagine like the AFC North with the Ravens and the Steelers. That would be a scenario where you're going to get a lot of right. High emotions, personal sure. jabs. The worst fan base I've ever played in front of, though, was Phillies. You know, I mean, yeah. we were sitting there in the tunnel, and any possible, like every, I mean, even <laughs> words that didn't even know existed and insults that didn't, I mean, and I was sitting next to Brett. It was awesome because you'd have the security on the tunnel, and they would be actually going after people talking, like, hey, shut it, no, get that guy, tell, shut him up, shut him up. And they'd go up to him, and they'd have like security lined up. And so they would yell at stuff, and probably be like, "Well, that was a good one, man. I never thought of that one. That was a good." <laughs> so I mean, some like, of them are, he'd you be, gotta laugh. He right? would be critiquing, man. That was that was man. I never thought about it. that. Was a good. One. <laughs> Holy smokes, that was really creative, you know. Well, and so well, that was probably the worst fan base. But well, uh, one of the worst fan bases in NBA in fra- of talking trash to players. And this has been going on for about what twenty years, as far as I know, forever. Since, yeah, the, the uh, 90s. Salt Lake City. Uh, <laughs> I go back to a playoff game that I went to uh, as the Laker flagship against the Jazz, and I again, I heard this on the flagship station of the Jazz as we're driving in, listening to a sports talk show, and the host said, talking about the previous game, post-game interview with Kobe Bryant, he goes, what was that Chia pet he had on his lip? <laughs> in reference Kobe? to his, uh, I guess, daughter? one-year-old daughter? And oh I almost gosh. drove off the road. I go, did he just call his daughter a Chia pet? And you also forget that, wow. remember when Kobe, I don't know if he was out with his injury or what happened, but remember he had those rape allegations. Oh, well, of course. Absolutely. The Utah Jazz, they trolled him. They had something when the Lakers were playing there. Talk, I don't remember the whole thing, but they were trolling him for not playing because of those, and they were re- referencing the rape allegations. It was the lowest blow I've ever heard. I have heard never of. heard. And, and, that, and the late Larry H. Miller, yeah. the former owner, now his, you know, his family's taken over since he's passed. I know him very well, by the way. Uh, he actually sat there laughing at it. 
Well, and I, I mean, I, that would never happen anywhere else. I mean, I, that's just like crazy. It, it, and I went to Boston a couple of times. With yeah. Nothing, nothing like Salt Lake City. I mean, it was just unreal. Yeah, I mean, I'm with how you. vicious I, these fans were. In fact, Derek Fisher, who had just left Utah to oh, come back to the Lakers, he got killed. You know, he. I mean, it was. But he sort of left the jazz hanging out to dry and use. No, his but you remember he moved his, back because of his daughter. That's remember what he that? said. But the, when the facts came out that it really didn't matter where right. he lived. Yes. And he and it basically he used his daughter. Let's to give a little you know a little detail of this. He used that situation to manipulate the jazz to let him out of his contract. He signs with L.A. and they come to find out it didn't matter if he lived in Salt Lake, if he lived in L.A. His daughter was going to get treatment at one central hospital and it wasn't going to be a difference whether he lived in one place or the other. And they're like, dude, this guy totally schooled us. He told him So they got, they, I mean, not to say it's they, justifiable they, the things well, they said, but. Well, again, we talk about after. going after children. I mean, you, you, oh, yeah. you want to talk they about. They go to places that's not really meant to go. Well, apparently they did it with Russell West. Westbrook. Yeah. Now, listen to Russell Westbrook right now. Nick, do we have this, Russell Westbrook? All right, so this is Russell Westbrook after the Thunder were eliminated talking about the Jazz fans. I don't confront fans. Fans confront me. Here in Utah, man, a lot of uh, disrespectful, vulgar things are said to the players here with these fans. Man, it's truly disrespectful. Talk about your families, uh, your kids, um, and it's just a disrespect to the game, man. I think it's something that needs to be brought up. And I'm tired of just going out and playing and, and letting fans say what the hell they want to say. I'm not with that because if, if I was on the street, they wouldn't just come up to me and say anything crazy because I, 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 don't, I don't play that. So I just think it's disrespectful when they get the chance to do whatever they want to do. It needs to be uh, put to a stop, especially here in Utah. All right, you know, you, you could react two ways to what he said. You could say, oh, cry me a river, Russell. You're making them tens of millions of dollars. The fans pay their tickets to go to the game. They can say whatever they want. But he did bring up the point. Try saying that to me on the street. I mean, is it <laughs> just fair game? Is it just fair game because you bought a ticket to a game and you're sitting People behind the bench and that you could just verbally abuse anyone? Well, it and, happens and, on Twitter, too. I mean, you got so many Twitter tough people yeah, out you there. You got some. You see, like in it's the NFL, the same you thing. can't hear the fans like you can no. in the NBA. NBA, it's the fans are on top of you. I mean, heck, on the bench, you're sitting next to some fans. Like, right, they're behind you, they're next to you. I mean, it's a whole different experience. I mean, if you were sitting there on the bench and some guy is just laying you out about your kids, oh, your would, family, and I would respond. Else. I would respond. I, I, I do the same thing. The thing is this. I've lived in Utah in that area for 22 of my 38 years, and he's absolutely correct. Some of the worst, most vulgar, disrespectful smack talking I've ever been around happens there. Why? I don't know. It's it's honestly one of the most religious places yes. in the whole country. And this is why I think <laughs> I mean, the perception what, and reality are two different think, things. And I think that's what shocks people is you come with a certain set of assumptions based off of the religious history there in Salt Lake with it being settled by the members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, with Brigham Young and that whole movement. And they always show Temple Square there and... You know, as a symbol of Salt Lake, which is a religious symbol and and uh, things of that nature. And lo and behold, you get things that are thrown your way that are like, this would never happen anywhere. And it just blows your mind. But I'm with him. I mean, I I, I've, I can relate to that. And, uh, and But at the same time, he's a target because he responds. If he really wants to shut him up, the best thing to do is just got to ignore him. Because if you don't ignore them, I'm going to tell you what, they will put a, ch- a target on your chest and they will come after you over and over and over again. Until they get you to respond again. And, and and not until you just ignore them and give them no life will they cease. Unbelievable. It's right, absolutely so, unbelievable. All right. Uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. we got much more on what's happening in the NFL draft. David Gascon, of course, 
On top of things as well, uh, amazingly enough, David is going to memorize every single player and the teams that took him uh, in this entire draft. I don't know how you do that. It's an amazing <laughs> skill. You know, graphic if, memory. If there's anyone that could do it, it's probably you, Harmon. If I really sat down, I could probably come close. Well, but, would, it, uh, would it take you like a day, maybe half a day? I, I'd have to really sit down and focus, but I, you know, this the kind of thing I can do. But uh, I, I don't waste my time in that. I got a bunch of stats in my head right now. I know you do. I'm doing game by game stats of every first, second, third team AP All American in history. I wish Brady Papinga had been an All American <laughs> so I could have done him, but. Uh, Well, interesting enough, guys. We got uh, a great selection in round number five from the national champion team going in Florida. You know, I did everything I was supposed to do. It was in God's hands. And, you know, I'll wait all over again for me to have the opportunity to be back with my brother. And for everybody who's pitting in front of me, for everybody who doubted me, they're going to really feel who I am. And I'm not going to let no price or no pick define who I am. That's Shaq Hmm. Griffin going to the Seattle Seahawks. A nice pickup for them. Round number four, 141 overall. Going to the Seattle Seahawks, the outside linebacker. A couple other interesting notes in round number four. Antonio Callaway went to the Cleveland Browns, 105 overall. And the last pick in fourth round was Dalton Schultz, the tight end at Stanford. He goes to the Dallas Cowboys, maybe a replacement for one. Jason Witten, who's called it quits. Meanwhile, in the NBA, George Hill hopes to play in Game 7 on Sunday, but he's got a bad back, and so the team is saying he's a game-time decision. Meanwhile, John Henson, the forward for the Milwaukee Bucks, is out tonight. Bucks and Celtics in Game number 7 from Boston this evening. And David Fisdale, the former Grizzlies head coach, will be interviewing with the Atlanta Hawks for the head coaching vacancy. A couple of games tonight, obviously, in the NBA. We mentioned Bucks and Celtics. Pelicans and Warriors tip-off time is at 10.30 Eastern. On the National Hockey League side, Sharks and Golden Knights from Sin City. Lightning and Bruins will get underway from Tampa. Tampa and Bruins, that's the first game of their second-round matchup. All right, very good, David. Thank you. Coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. One of the guys just taken in the fifth round. Um, is an interesting story because normally if you are a lineman, first team All-American out of a school like Michigan, you're going to be very high in the draft. Well, such was not the case for Mo Hurst. Maurice Hurst, the defensive tackle, first team All-American, has finally been taken in the fifth round hmm. By the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders have taken Hurst. Now, why did he drop? Well, apparently, there are reports of a heart condition uh, that could obviously be very scary. But, uh, I mean, if if he's okay, I mean, you got got a guy that uh, should have been certainly at least a second-day guy comfortably in the fifth round. I I was just curious about the Raiders. My my initial thought about uh, John Gruden, because right out of the box, it looked like the Raiders kept – trading down and that's because he didn't recognize any of the names he goes i don't i don't even know who these guys are i mean where where, i I don't think he was running the show though i think it's he said he said he wanted to draft john david booty the quarterback out of usc they go coach that was 08 it's been 10 years since then can we get up to date on who's out there but you look at the look at the raiders and and again because of john gruden there's always going to be a lot of interest in this team certainly out of the get-go and Look at, I mean, just look at some of the guys they have taken in this draft and try to figure out whether the Raiders are truly a contending team or a myth based on what happened two years ago. They went offensive tackle right out of the box. I was stunned that they went with the offensive tackle, Colt Miller. I thought they were going to take the Jenkins kid, the outside linebacker. They passed on him. 
Then they took a defensive tackle out of Sam Houston State, P.J. Hall. Then they had two third-round picks, another offensive tackle out of North Carolina A&T. Then they took the LSU defensive end, Arden Key. They've taken a cornerback, and now they've taken Maurice Hurst. No skill, guys. Well, it tells you what the the two offensive tackles, to me, are very telling. And I know John Gruden's offense played against it a number of times. He wants to pound the ball. And that's what they did so well two years ago when they had such tremendous success. Talking about the Oaklands, Derek Carr had tremendous success. They pounded the ball. They put five big offensive linemen out there. At times now they could probably put six out. And you know, put off at the tackles as tight ends and say, all right, man, we're going to pound the ball down your throat. we got Marshawn back there and whatever, and maybe some other guy. Marshawn, how, is he, <laughs> how, did, how did he become an every down back? Don't he's remember? Not, we were not. talking that he was going to be like a third down guy, short yard oh, guy. Oh, no, no, no. He's still he's still he's an every down back. He's not every down. He's still a guy you're going to pepper. He's not a guy you're going to say, But he okay, became their every down 30, back last 30 year. 30 carries. Yeah. They got guys. I mean, they'll rotate guys in there, but point being is the philosophy is very simple. They are going to reestablish the physical nature of the offense, and then the passing game will complement that. And by the way, they got quite the uh, receiving core. You got Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson. Yes. And then they traded their third-round pick, number 79, for uh, Martavius Bryant. I love that pick. From yes. the Pittsburgh That's Steelers, a who's deal. a little more volatile. But you got Jordy there. The idea is Jordy is the, the meant to be the stabling force. Yes. Amari's just quiet. Are you convinced that Jordy Nelson is, a, is an upgrade for them? Yeah. He Over, fits uh, Michael Crabtree. Crabtree. Yeah, and it's because Michael Crabtree was volatile. Yep. Michael Crabtree also, that kind of personality from a quarterback, you almost, it's like the same thing with Eli Manning dealt with, with Jeremy Shockey, what a lot of quarterbacks had to deal with, with Terrell Owens, was you feel pressure that you have to force feed him the ball sometimes to shut him up. Yeah. So you make him happy and it goes outside your reads, it ruins the flow of your offense. And so Jordy's not that guy. He's low maintenance. He's going to run his routes. Obviously, he'll tell you, like, look, man, I was open here, I was open there, but don't feel, you know, he's not going to be a punk. To where you feel like, man, I better get him the ball or else he's going to you know, throw a fit. And I think that's going to be big. But what Michael Crabtree did is basically what Jordy's going to do. He's going to be a big body wide receiver, work the sidelines, and beat one-on-one matchups with the size and speed combination, which Michael Tra- Crabtree's he's got some of. But uh, I would say Jordy's an upgrade, yeah. Uh, your Packers went cornerback, cornerback, outside linebacker in the first three rounds. Uh, do you believe that Aaron Rodgers has enough weapons at his disposal to still be a high-powered offense? Well, he's got Jimmy Graham, he's got Randall Cobb, and Devontae Adams. Yeah, he's good. Is that enough? Yeah, and then he's got a good backfield. Relax. He's got Jamal Williams in the backfield, and, uh, you know, he's got guys. These I mean, are guys. No, Jamal Williams was phenomenal last year. He was top rookie. He was fantastic, both in the passing game and running the ball. So they're going to be fine. The The thing is, is Aaron Rodgers, you know, and then if you are have you going to start with, two uh, rookie corners next year, heck, it's better what they got. <laughs> so, I mean, it's all going to be dependent on how they perform. And also now that Ted Thompson is shoved out the door, <laughs> is it shoved out the door? Well, are they taking a different tact as far as putting together their roster right no, now? It's just, it's just, it, it, Ted Thompson did the Ron Wolf model. Reggie McKenzie implements the same thing. John Schneider does. John Dorsey does. All these guys take the Ron Wolf play of this is how you build a roster and they get they don't get enamored with all these numbers they don't look at the 40 i mean all those things mean something to them but it doesn't determine their decision making they look at a guy as a totality of is he a good football player or not like we understand he's fast we understand this that and the other but is he a good player and they have an eye of being able to tell that and they have a system that they can see that but i'll tell you one guy that i really liked being picked in that same bright was this the shakeem griffin guy that yes david had mentioned for the 
uh, national champions, University of Central Florida. He got picked in the fifth round by the Seattle Seahawks. Excellent pick. It fits their model. They always want to bring guys in that have some kind of chip on their shoulder. That's one of the things that Chip, or excuse me, that Pete Carroll and John Schneider always made sort of as a, an emphasis to find guys that have dealt with adversity, that come in feeling slighted. And obviously, you heard the the comments from Griffin himself, where he's like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna let everybody know, and this is the right way to tell everybody that passed on you that I'm going to compete." to show you that you can feel me and that, hey, you did make a mistake. That's actually coming from a place of competitiveness, not trying to belittle everybody that got picked in front of you because he's not saying there were mistakes or this, that, and the other. He's basically saying, hey, you guys are doubting me. That's obvious by where I was picked. I mean, for a guy who's 240 pounds or the 4340 was as productive as he was, I don't care if he's got one hand or not. Drop into the fifth round, he – he was underdrafted. He probably should have been more at least third round. All right, let, let, guy. let me so ask you this. All he's, right, he's gonna. Uh, you watch out for him. He's gonna have a heck of a career. All I right. like him. Fourth round, I get. Fifth round, maybe. But when you get past the fifth round, when we talk about the sixth and seventh rounds, yeah, are you almost hoping at that point Don't not to me. get drafted yeah. because at least then, as a free agent, you have choices. Well, exactly. It, it, look, if you get drafted into a scenario you feel like is a good fit, then it's good. But I, but you're not in control. So yeah, if I was a six, I mean, I'm surprised more guys. I I, I know there's certain prestige of getting drafted, but I'm surprised more guys aren't basically told by their agents, "Hey, we don't want you to draft my guy." Now, what could you do? What if they cut the draft to five rounds? Would that be a good thing or bad thing for the NFL? Oh, the teams would hate that because well, they, I know they hate it. Control, but I mean, you get a control still, guys. But if you increase the pool of free agent players, that helps the players because now doesn't it help the teams? No, because the demand becomes more like the the undrafted guys have now more of a leverage point. Whereas if you get if you can determine who's coming to you based off of picking them instead of them having a choice in it, that takes away the leverage of the players. They're not they're not going to give the players more leverage. But I mean, again, when we talk about seventh round, sixth, sixth and seventh round players, man, most of these guys end up going to camp, not making the team. They've just wasted a year, basically. I think that's hard. Now they got to start all over. Now again. I realize is that you can't really like you can't. There's like in the first round, you can sort of push people like Eli Manning did, say, "Don't draft me," right, or whatever. And that point, you can't. What are you going to do? Sit out? Hold out? No. You have that's no the film. point. You're victimized by the fact. And then yeah. you get there. And a lot of times, you're just a camp body. Like exactly. You, you wouldn't believe, like, I mean, I had discussions with guys, like my younger brother. He was coming out, and the Packers came to me, and they're like, hey, man, how would you feel if we drafted your brother seventh round and we cut him? In training camp, I'm like, you would draft him to cut him. He's like, we do that all the time. You know, sometimes we just yeah, cut him. they do I'm it like, all the time. I get it, man. I get it. And I was like, hey, as opposed to him being a free agent. Yeah, but even at that, like, even if we sign him, like, they just don't want to offend me. Like, that was their biggest thing. Like, if we end up cutting your brother, I just we just don't want to make you. Well, mad. then you say, why don't you sign him? I mean, is there a ton of difference in money between being a free agent signing and a seventh round? Yeah, there's you know. Yeah, big money, fifty, hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so it is. So, yeah. what does a seventh round pick get? I mean, what do what do you get? I think it's like fifty, but it see, it depends because like last year, uh, there was a guy. He went to BYU too. He was the number one. He he signed the highest free agent deal, and it actually he made just as much in his guaranteed money as some fifth rounders. Well, that's what I'm asking. Sure, two hundred twenty-five thousand guaranteed, and he was an undrafted or undrafted free agent. Right. So there's undrafted free agents that actually get paid more than if you're like a fifth round, sixth round. Well, that's round. my whole point. I mean, I, I mean, I I don't know. I just it's you know, for the teams. It's all set up for the teams to have the most. Of course, control. it is. All right. Well, uh, the control of the NFL is something I want to get into. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 
So the NFL draft, by all accounts, has been a huge success, or has it? We'll give you the truth behind this huge showcase we've been watching coming up next. Hartman and Papinga. The NFL draft has been quite a show, to say the least. First time at AT AT&T. By the way, if you're Jerry Jones, um, from a business aspect, obviously you're thrilled. I mean, they packed the place and got a lot of fans, money pouring in. I mean, for your investors, they're always happy for that. But I'm watching the draft, right? And I mean, one, especially yesterday in the second round where all these legends came out to announce the picks, and they're just hammering away. Did you see David Akers? Oh, yeah, yeah. David Akers, the former Eagles kicker, and he's just hammering about world champion. Boos and boos. By the way, have you ever heard the volume of boos like Goodell got to open up? (laughs) I mean, think about this. He actually gets out there, and he's he's flanked by Troy Aikman, Roger Staubach, and Jason Witten. So he's trying to bring coverage with him, right? Oh, yeah. This is how he's going to open. Do we have the opening? (laughs) Do you have the opening when – Oh, when Goodell man. opened up, because I mean, there are boos, and then, and then, then there boos. is then there is next level, and then he even made some kind of reference like, "Hey, hey, I'm all right." So this is this is the beginning. All right, this is the beginning of the draft. Welcome, football fans, to the 2018 NFL Draft, Texas style. <laughs> Do you see how, that, how weak was that? So he comes up flank with the two quarterbacks that won all five of their Super Bowls, Staubach and Aikman. He's got, you know, Witten, and he's – as for, oh, I can't man. believe you're booing the Cowboys. No, they're booing you. That's what I wonder. You, 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 you. The Boo owners him. are probably Boo pumped him. about that, though. Now, let me ask you this. If the I owners were to are say, pumped about that because they know that if it wasn't for Goodell, right. those boos would be directed at them. So they're so excited. They're like, Goodell, you are earning your $50 million, man, because I talk about Jerry Jones. I have my little parade before every game. I walk around with my whole group, and everybody cheers me on like I'm the best guy ever because I provided them with Jerry's world. Could you handle that seriously? I'll put $100 million in your bank account (laughs) where everywhere you go, you're booed. I I mean, when you're you're an athlete, you get booed. You get flipped off. I'm talking about everybody boos you. Everybody boos Goodell. He never gets cheered. Ever. That'd Give me tough. one. He didn't get it cheered anywhere, yeah, even at gets, home. That's tough, man. Even Boo. at home. Who no. knows? Boo. His wife boos Boo. him as he walks yes. in the door. Yeah. <laughs> His kids are booing no, him. No, if I were to tell oh, you, man. I'll put $100 million in your bank account, but everywhere you go, every person you see will it's boo tough. you to your I mean, face. I don't, I don't really I don't care. <laughs> don't, I don't well, you care. say that, but, but when I you don't. actually when you're standing in front of all those people and care. you thought, I'll be good. I'll, I'll surround myself with cowboy royalty. I would I laugh. can't believe I you're booing the cowboys. I think it's laughable. But, I mean, it's for me, it'd be laughable for him. He know, he's got to know that, come on, man. Especially like the Wells Report, all this stuff. Oh, are you kidding went me? Went on the Witcher oh, after Tom he, Brady. He, he, he and then he lies to everybody. He Come was on. the guy that backed up the Ezekiel Elliott six game suspension. We had the oh, whole I Jerry about that. Yeah. That's With why the Cowboy fans Jones, are. Okay. Uh, so yeah. now, now the NFL, in still, their never ending seek of money, have have big plans for the NFL draft. This, this was step one. By the way, did you buy into. That they had these blocks of fans 
of every single team there that they were legitimate, or were they just putting jerseys on people? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I don't mean, know. See, I mean, it, it, it was like a, it way. was like a presidential convention. Yeah, I got you know, you. you had like you know the different states, except it was like you had the different teams. So you had like a block of cheese fans. I know this when I saw the block of Charger fans, I said those are fake. All right, those are there's no way <laughs> there's there, there, a bunch Los of Charger Angeles. fans there at AT and T. They put the you can see the tags on the jerseys <laughs> that they see, put them in. See, they're about like. 10 people in that front row. I mean, they really tried to push them up front, I think. It, there was not much. <laughs> Come on. They're, they're, they're so you say that was the work of cine- s- so Cinemagic? Is what no, you're saying? Just, sections the of the idea teams. that you had 32 different teams and they all had their little block of fans out there. These were right. like cast members. And they put like 10 people up front <laughs> to make it look good. So you <laughs> think that they had a sign out front of oh, the Dallas Cowboys stadium? It's like it's What's like, it? so it's, like being fans. E- it's like being an extra in a movie. <laughs> you want to be in a movie today? You want to be on TV? Here, put this jersey on. I doubt it. You're a Charger fan. You're what is this funny. jersey? I'm I mean, not a may, Charger I, fan. I You're a Charger fan. Here's 50 I bucks. I wouldn't put it past some things. Yeah. But, nah, I wouldn't think they did All right. That. So, now the NFL has uh, made the decision that as big as this was, this was prime time on Fox, red carpet and everything else, right? It's gone big time. But now they are saying that down the road when they make their new network deals, they want all the networks to carry this in prime time simultaneously. Oh, what do you think of that? They're going to buy it. Competition, CBS, NBC, Fox, everybody's showing I mean, the if, NFL draft. If they could get money out of it, talking about the stations, they'll do it. It's mm. all about making money. And, I mean, what's the alternative? What else was on while the draft is going on? Will it well, get as good Well, for an ratings? NFL fan, nothing. I mean, we were watching the draft, So, obviously. basically, I mean, I don't that, – that, that's a heck of a package. If you're that channel and you're like, dude, we would get an uptick in ratings, which means we'd make more money off of our, you know – Advertising dollars for I mean they do it in a second. By the way, so I can see it happen. Jason Witten, Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is anyone more boring than Jason Witten? I mean, he's pretty monotone. He was a boring player. He's a boring person. He's he's pretty he's pretty monotone, but he's he's very intellectual. He can be animated. Oh, you're already putting me asleep just talking about him. But hey, listen, I can't imagine just like what uh, CBS did with Tony Romo. I can't imagine they would place a bet. And their number one flagship program on a guy that they feel is boring and not going to be able to do it. He's never been a broadcaster before. Yeah, Tony Romo. Boring. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. you think Jason Wentz is going to be Tony Romo? I don't see why they couldn't be. All right, so they have to be an ex-cowboy, apparently. We're in the yeah, Geico Fox works. Sports Radio Studios. Much more on the substance of the NFL draft. Coming up next. Oh, what, what a Saturday. Big Saturday rolling through the final phases of the 2018 NFL Draft. Harbin and Papinga coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. The Dallas Cowboys have just acquired Tavon Austin from the Rams for not much. This is one of those guys that no one has been able to figure out. What is he? He's not a wide receiver. I mean, they they talk about him as a wide receiver, but he he's not a wide receiver. I mean, what are his numbers? I mean, how about the, how about the fact that as a receiver, he has averaged less than nine yards a catch? That's unbelievable. And and as but as a running back, he has averaged seven yards a carry. Hmm. He's a running back. Even <laughs> even when he was at West Virginia, think about what he did. 
Last Geno week. Smith would run yeah. these little bubble screens to Tavon exactly. Austin, and then he runs 60 yards Which for a touchdown. Which is essentially like big extended pitch plays. Right. Tavon Austin had 300 yards rushing in a game once at West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, What do you me, do with him? I mean, you, he's one of those guys. Well, he obviously has talent. How do you use Tavon Austin? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's you got you to gotta teach him the skill of the slot receiver. He can't catch the ball. And I mean, well, I mean, he's quick enough, and he's got that short area burst. A lot like these other slot guys, to where right. he could be a problem for the inside cover guys, which are a lot of times linebackers, nickel guys. Those kind of uh, you know matchups become very beneficial. And you already got Cole Beasley there with the uh, the Dallas Cowboys, who will attract a lot of attention inside. And so maybe you get that fourth corner on him, or the linebacker, or the safety coming down in the box, and you hope that Tavon can have enough. Because the thing to me that 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 causes him issues catching the ball is his route running ability is not detailed. So they're obviously talking about the Dallas Cowboys feel like they can work with him on that, refine him a little bit in his route running skills, and turn him into a very dangerous short area player. And well, then you get a couple of those guys. I mean, you're just, I mean, this is a qu- far cry to what, from what they used to be, the Dallas Cowboys. And they had, you know, um, Dez, the big wide receiver, I mean, that was like sort of model. Now they're sort of trying to go Patriots route where well, get a bunch again, of small scat back. And I mean, this is actually, this is college football too. You look at, you know, Mike Leach and the proliferation of, pro- proliferation of that, you know, air raid offense spread. All of his receivers are basically, you know, thrown off running backs that become receivers. And, you know, and he feels like, hey, I can, you know, always find those guys. And then they become very difficult to match up with because they're so quick. And then they have that ability after they catch the ball that they can extend that catch, the short, you know, passes for five, ten more yards because of their running ability. So I'd imagine that's the philosophy that the Dallas Cowboys are going, which again is showing that the college ball is beginning to become far more prevalent in pro football, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. So um yeah, it's it's just interesting because all that money, that's the problem for the Cowboys. I mean, why the Rams paid all I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Tavon Austin they messed up. They knew they was did. the first wide receiver That's in the history of the away. NFL to have at least 13 catches and less than 50 yards in a season. <laughs> Only three wow. times was he targeted deep and zero catches. His longest catch was 13 yards. He's a bubble screen guy. So we'll see how the Cowboys use him. Um, the Rams are pumped, though, because they got rid of his contract. They knew they signed him to the deal thinking, okay, maybe he explodes and becomes a better player when he didn't. They're like, Oh boy, here's we an update get on out that. From under this. The Rams actually had to pay Austin a $4 million roster bonus last March. Oh my God. Cowboys goodness. are on the hook for a million dollar in base pay, 2 million of worth of per game bonuses. He could also earn an extra a million dollars in incentives. So that's sort well, of there the you deal go. There. So there it uh, is. Wow. Well, they, they they'll pay eat $4, four million to get, to rid, get rid of the of rest. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty much what they had to do. Um, as far as the draft is concerned, one of the things I wanted to look at is, uh, you know, we, we always talk about quarterbacks and, you know, the big four at the top of the draft. One of the guys that slipped down uh, was Mason Rudolph. Some people thought. You think he slipped down? He, well, some people thought he might sneak in the first round. Most, I really thought at the start oh, of the second round, the first round that we were going to see some movement to try to get him. As no. it turned out, the Steelers did make movement to get him in the third, third round. Yeah. So what am I missing with Mason Rudolph? He's not dynamic. He's not a guy that – his film – now, everything can change, but he's not a guy that his film would crowd and say, we need him, I'm going to give up assets for him, we're going to – heck – he could be the next Ben Roethlisberger. They don't think that. What they bring him in there for is to get some depth. 
They they're obviously still going with Ben, and and if they would have drafted him any higher than that, that would send another message to the organization that no, this guy's we're looking for him to take over in the next five years. They're not looking to do that. He's a stopgap kind of guy, unless again, I mean, if he goes in there and lights it up, it changes everything completely. Much like you know, uh, Dak Prescott did fourth rounder with the Dallas Cowboys. But yeah, when you draft a guy in the third round like him, it's almost like okay, we want a guy that could be good right out of the gates, but we're not expecting him to just light the world on fire and take over Ben Roethlisberger, you know, in a year's time or so. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when we get to day three of the draft. There's only been one quarterback taken so far today. That's Laletta, the quarterback out of Richmond. Luke Falk. We just talked about Washington State. Mike Leach. Still out there. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean the guy put up some pretty prolific numbers at Washington State. He put up State. a lot of numbers, but a lot of it, too, was the scheme. He threw the ball a ton. Yeah. But uh, another thing is, is I never saw like his skill set. It's not special in the sense that I couldn't go find five or six other guys with that same skill set. Yeah, but didn't we think the same thing about Jared Goff out of Cal? I mean, he's basically throwing the ball no. in every single play. No, in that but offense. he his, he had he had he has an arm, man. I remember watching him as a freshman when yeah. I was covering. Uh, for F- FS1, we were doing college football game. We did uh, Stan- uh, Cal versus uh, actually Washington State. Yeah. And he was throwing some z- some balls. I was like, this guy's got a sweet arm. Yeah. That's prolific. But, you know, mentally he didn't seem, and it was confirmed his rookie year, unless he, you know, you get the right people around him, the right system. He didn't seem to have it. But, uh, but no, the arm strength is what separated him from everybody else. And the accuracy. There's the two that went together that uh, put him on another level. But, uh, no, it's, uh, with Luke Falk, I, 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 I covered his game last year. Washington State versus USC. I, I never once looked at him like, whoa, whoa, you better go after this guy. He's got a lively arm. Not once. He, he was an average kind of skill set. So he's going to get drafted later or maybe be a free agent. By the way, I was uh, checking this out because a lot of people were asking me about you know taking a quarterback now or waiting a year, and I'm thinking to myself, I can't think of a single quarterback. So I was looking up uh, draft prospects for 2019 at yeah. quarterback. And and here's one of the list. You ready for this? Number one, Drew Locke, quarterback out of Missouri. Uh, number two, Clayton Thorson, quarterback out of Northwestern. Number three, Sean Patterson, quarterback out of Michigan. Jacob Eason. I'm like, look at this. Like, there will be. There's going to be guys that are going to emerge, though. You watch. There'll be guys that. A lot. Of, I mean, Josh Allen. The only reason why he emerged was his physical attributes. But there's going to be guys that are going to blight it up this next year that. People are going to pay attention to that they didn't even know had the abilities they do because, I mean, it's amazing. I remember from my, I, I went from the, let me tell you just my personal story about progression yeah. and they got about getting better. So I got changed from a middle linebacker, th- uh, like a thumper kind of plugger position to defensive end my freshman year at BYU. And the, the, one of the first games I actually got playing time as a defensive end, the offensive tackle kept throwing me up the field and I, ha- I wasn't even close to like getting to the quarterback and after about two or three rushes, he comments to me, he goes, you're the worst defensive end I've ever played against. And I told him, I go, and I looked around, I go, I go, this is just the beginning. I was like, you wait. Yeah. I was like, you'll change your opinion. And sure enough, that was like October 2001. You fast forward to like a year later, it was October 2002. Right. I was the best defensive end yeah, but I in mean, all I of mean, the conference. When is the last and time? I, and I, well, listen, I went to the guy. I was like, well, what do you think now? And he's like, you've gotten a lot better. And I was like, well, of course. And so there's guys like that. That happens to all these but guys. But think of the last time we went into a like college crazy. football season. I'm, and I'm, this That's is true. Pa- That's true. Shea Patterson, Drew Locke. 
Jarrett Stidham. None of these guys uh, jump Clayton out. Clayton None the of them same, jump out. Will Greer. Out None of them. Those are your best quarterbacks in college football this year. You think of the running backs. <laughs> Remember, Bryce Love stayed at Stanford. He was runner-up yeah. for the Heisman Trophy. He's back. Jonathan Taylor, the freshman uh, star out of Wisconsin. Obviously, he's back this year. Some pretty good running back. Could we see a little bit uh, of a return of the running back this year? Well, the, it's already – the running backs – okay. The, uh, Jason Smith, I was on his show last night, he almost gave this impression that the running back position lost value. The only value it has lost is market value. It's gone down and it's going to continue to move backwards. The traditional workhorse back is done. They're, that guy is is a dime a dozen. You can find him anywhere. Now, the value football-wise to have a good running back is still as high as it ever has been. It's just what's what people have learned. You can give a lot of credit to Mike Shanahan for this, and other te- you know teams that have implemented the zone blocking scheme. Is you can get. I mean, there are so many guys that you can get that could run the zone blocking scheme and be a thousand fifteen hundred fifteen hundred yard rusher. Yeah, that you just don't have to pay a lot for these guys. And so the running back position really hasn't lost its importance. It still has is as important as ever. It's just the marketability of it, meaning supply versus demand. That the supply is through the roof. There's so many guys to where the value in terms of dollars of what you're going to pay for a running back is decreased exponentially. But the importance of a running back, it'll never diminish. You got you always got to have a guy back there that can threaten a defense on the ground. If not, obviously, as a, as a defense, you're just going to pin your ears back, rush the passer, and cover, and you're you're going to be in a you know in a good place. And offensively, you're going to struggle to move the ball. Are you a McSorley fan out of Penn State? He'll be back, Trace McSorley. Um, didn't he? He didn't jump off the charts. You know, didn't I didn't look at him and go, whoa, uh, that guy's gonna By the way, be good. I didn't see uh, that. I mentioned the only quarterback taken so far in day three was Kyle Aletta out of Richmond, who was, you know, this is where he was projected, the team yeah. that took him, the Giants. So the Giants did take a quarterback. Yeah, but they're afraid of Eli and he, that he's gonna cry. By the way, Throw the team that uh, definitely has not taken a quarterback San again. Or the Los Angeles freaking Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers are set. They'll uh, never take it. Well, they think Geno Smith will be their quarterback of the future. Nick, are you excited when Phillip Rivers hands the ball to Geno Smith as the next quarterback of the yeah, Chargers? Yeah, it's not going to happen. What do you mean it's not going to happen? They have nobody else. Well, Tom Telesco again, he's in the same boat as the t- you know the, the, the brain trust in New York. They're so afraid of Philip Rivers that he's going to start crying Thank and going you. to tank. Mm-hmm. So I got to treat these little guys. I mean, they're literally like little weak, you know, just their feelings are going to get hurt. Like they're so sensitive. It's unbelievable. Selfish is the word I'm looking for. I don't know if it's selfish. Selfish, it's self-centered, me above the team. I mean, That's why guys, I, uh, these guys, just, I mean, the fact that they can't handle the, their, their own teams drafting a first round draft choice and all of a sudden like emotionally they're going to lose it. I mean, that's a problem. Did Brett Favre lose it when Aaron Rodgers was number one pick? Of he, the wasn't Green happy, but man, he wasn't he happy, but man, he wasn't happy, but he played ball. better. Did he not? <laughs> yeah. Did it not light a fire 2006 to 2007, huh? especially. When 2007 was like yes. his peak year, yeah. yeah. The Giants have, the Giants had their next future in front of them, okay? Yeah. Okay, let's just, hypothetically, guys, you know yeah. I'm a big Charger fan. If the Chargers were at two, and Phillip Rivers was still there, and they didn't take Darnold, but everyone went crazy because they took the next great running back, Barkley. Oh, my God, it's great. Good <laughs> God, would I be so pissed right now if I was – every Giants fan is so elated they got Barkley. Congrats on – Would you rather have Deshaun Watson right now or Mike Williams? Who would you rather have right now? You had the seventh pick in the draft. <laughs> Who would you rather have right now, Deshaun Watson or Mike Williams Wa- on your roster? Watson, it's not even close. All right, so there well, you go. Let me Last put this, year was their golden opportunity, yeah, and, and they whiffed. And let's put this in perspective for the Giants. Basically, you're tapping out the best that you're getting 
get out of Saquon Barkley is that he's going to be the next Reggie Bush. Okay? Right. Which is good. Right. Reggie Bush has been productive. He was solid. He's been a solid player, played 10 years. Not a you know, great between the tackles exactly. guy, but a exactly. valuable receiver. Could bounce it, could do a lot right. of different things. Versus Darnold, whose potential is the next elite quarterback. Just put that in perspective. I understand. That's a tough one to reconcile. I understand. Tough one to reconcile. Don't want to upset Eli. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Speaking of quarterbacks, Sam Darnold. Ultimately, why was he not the number one pick in this year's draft? We're going to tell you coming up next. Harbin and Papinga. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Uh, Mark Willard. Mark Willard, our Fox Sports own yeah, Mark Willard. what's up Willard. with Mark Willard these days? Well, I'm on, on, Other than was, he's going to jump on after us. Okay, yes. Well, they're going to jump on. So Willard and I do shows uh, in San Diego as well, and his show leads in to our show, all right? Mm-hmm. And so we do a little uh, crossover talk, fusion talk, right? Sure. And this was the day, it was two days before the draft when it leaked out that the Browns had down to two. It was either going to be Baker Mayfield or it was going to be Josh Allen <laughs> that, was that Sam Darnold Allen. was out. And so Willard's losing his mind because he is absolutely convinced it's a smokescreen. He goes, I'll bet you. I'll bet you right now it's Sam Darnold. I said, really? Okay, hey, so you're going to take that. Sam Darnold versus the him. field? I will take the field. So then the next day was the day that they said it's done. It's going to be Baker Mayfield. And this was uh, Mary Kay Cabot, who's you know big information person in Cleveland. Uh, even Jason La Confora does his one mock draft. He had Baker Mayfield, and so, but the, to the last second, he was absolutely convinced it was going to be Sam Darnold. Well, as it turned out, it was never Sam Darnold, despite the fact that when he had his workout in L.A., remember in the rain and that uh, Haslam, you know, the owner was hanging out with the family and everything else. So again. Let's go. But to me, Sam Darnold is the most interesting guy in this draft because there are people that are absolutely convinced that Sam Darnold is going to be a superstar quarterback, not just a guy, that Sam Darnold is going to be a superstar quarterback. Now, where did this all come from? Two years ago, Max Brown, a former National High School Player of the Year, five five-star high school player yeah. who had waited his turn behind Cody Kessler assumed the starting job. Hmm. We never even heard of Sam Darnold yeah, at this point. Yeah. They open the season against Alabama, and they Boom. get worked. Now, how much was now. that Max Brown? How much was SEO Max Brown? Brown was pretty bad. So he wasn't good. And then out of the blue, out of sheer desperation at this point, because at this point it looks like Clay Hilton may lose his job, he decides, I'm going to go with the freshman Sam Darnold. And they lose the first game against Utah. Remember that? Yeah. Came, came back, came up short, and did not lose another game. Ran it all the way through. And then that Rose Bowl, suddenly Sam Darnold, remember he was first team, preseason Heisman yeah. favorite, preseason All-American. He's the, he's the guy. And then at the end of the year, you're looking at his numbers, and you're like, what happened here? Was it just the offensive line? Was it just the fact that he loses a Smith-Schuster, loses some of his weapons? What, you you covered this guy. You saw much of Darnold. Yeah. What, what if there was any concern? If there's any concern about Darnold and why the second year really wasn't close to what he did the first year, what would you say? The only downside was his, he had uh, 
there's times where he would carelessly throw the ball in the coverage. And that's one of those things to where it's 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 annoying. You know, and I mean, it, you could say this about every player, but I mean, that was the one thing to where if you're going to say, you know, why would the Browns opt to go with him? And, and I don't even know if it was any negative by Darnold, more than it was just there was so much positive with Baker Mayfield. And again, especially with how he handled those two top-notch college defenses when you talk Ohio State and Georgia – they literally had no answers for that offense. I mean, Baker Mayfield sliced and diced and surgically just destroyed those offenses. And there, you know, Oklahoma did. And he obviously had a lot more help around him than, than Sam Darnold. And then Sam Darnold gets shut down by Ohio State's save offense, you know, in the the bowl game there at the end of the season. So, I mean, to me, that's the one concern. But, you know, Baker Mayfield has other concerns. You know, he's got the maturity concern. He's got you know, the concern about can he see in an NFL game in the pocket enough to still make those throws. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, there's still concerns with every player. But to me, the reason why Baker Mayfield gets chosen over Donald doesn't have to do with their concerns and weaknesses, but has more to do with we just like Baker Mayfield and his package, or we prefer it more than we prefer what Sam Donald brings. John Dorsey, before the draft, because everyone was pressing him, you know, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? He goes – you know, you could. He said, you, "Look, you could talk about passing percentage. You could talk about red zone. I want a guy that knows how to win. I want a winner." So that was before the draft. So his whole thing was, is, "I'm looking yeah, for I a mean, guy that knows how to win." Now, so that wasn't Josh Allen. I would that would, that would eliminate right, Josh so Allen. That, that, that obviously, <laughs> wasn't under consideration. Unbelievably, but I mean, Darnold was a winner. They, I mean, he found ways to win constantly when it looked like they shouldn't have. I mean, last year, which game was that? Was it the Texas game? Actually, there's a number of the games. The Texas game when he made an incredible he throw. Willed this his he basically put the put, put his team on his back and just willed them back into it. They were well, down. What, what and do you late think and, about Baker Mayfield in terms of being a winner? I mean, I, I'm a, I, see, because that's what John Dorsey was selling everybody. Ultimately, we're going to take a look guy at him that like we look that. at him in as a winner. I don't look at I don't look at Baker as that guy that he's like, okay, I'm taking over. I'm going to put everybody on my back. It may not be pretty, but we're going to grind this victory out. He never had games like that. Uh, man, you know what? He had Iowa State as a game like that. That's Iowa State in the Big Twelve, right? Uh, you know, it's not like a. I mean, Iowa State was good, though. I, I, I'm sort All of thinking right, well, of a couple years You mentioned the Big ago. 12. I mean, isn't that always so, a warning I mean, sign? To me, I mean, to, look, I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, I li- I'm going to say this. I like the Baker Mayfield pick, but I believe that Alonzo Highsmith, John Dorsey, and Elliot Wolf went outside of what their wheelhouse is in terms of they picked a guy that they've never ha- that they've never had anybody like him that's had success. And that, to me, is going outside your wheelhouse. Now, does it come back to haunt them? Does it cost them? I don't know. We'll see. But it doesn't philosophically make the most sense when you talk about picking players because you're you're actually you're going for something that's never been tested before, at least in your experience. And I'm sure that they they may say differently. Oh, no, he reminds me of this guy or that guy, but he doesn't. He, he doesn't remind you of Favre. He's not Favre's size. Baker Mayfield was not a guy who would improvise. He's not a guy well, that would throw Drew it Brees. into triple coverage. I mean, Drew Brees, to me, would be a better comparison. But they've, uh, Yeah, but they've never had any experience with Drew Brees. They've always seen him from afar. You want to you want amazing like stat on Baker Mayfield? They went outside of their wheelhouse a little in that. To me, in this game, the way the NFL's played with the prolific passing offenses, accuracy still has to be number one. Are you ready for this stat on Baker Mayfield last year? Yeah. 14 games, right? 14 games he played last year. His lowest completion percentage in any game 
was 63%. But remember, that's not any that's, game. That's not fully accuracy, too. You got to remember that that stat doesn't mean accuracy because how many times could you throw the ball well, whether perfectly you're and your receiver sh- drops it well, or I understand, gets tipped but, at the line of scrimmage? But I mean, you never or, had a game under 63%? For 14 well, he throws games? a lot of short passes, too. That well, was a short but, pass well, offense. Throwing short passes is a skill just like throwing the ball deep. Sure. I mean, I mean it's, I, it's not I, I just throwing short passes. But I'll say you just looking at right Baker. Spot. No, I'm, I'm with you, though. I look at Baker. I never once felt like, oh, he's an inaccurate, erratic passer, which you could, could say that about Josh Allen. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's accurate. He, Like I said, he's he, he, he checks all the boxes there. Ty Demmer was accurate, too. Yeah, he threw a duck though. He had he had a very tough one. He had a hit a noodle arm. Well, I understand that, but he was very accurate in the short and medium sure he range. Was. He sure was. He was. He was. He was very good. Obviously, I think Mayfield can throw the deep ball. How important it yeah, is to I throw mean, the deep ball not, anymore? It's not that important. It's it's more about the quick hitters, those timing routes, the, the slants, the option routes, being able to dissect the defense. And he's and he he was phenomenal at that. I mean, his touch. When you look at Baker against again, I mean, and what I loved about Baker, which got me excited about him as the season was progressing, was he was able to complete passes in tight spaces where the where the receiver basically was open or, or covered, but then he throws them open. And, and that, those are the kind of stuff that's next-level quarterbacking. But again, like I, I look at Baker and I looked at Sam Darnold and I looked at him as I liked Sam Darnold more because he reminds me more of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and the guys that I played with that and played against that were tough to play against and to compete against and that were great for me as teammates. Whereas a guy like Baker Mayfield, you're right, the only guy I could compare him to would have been, you know, I played against Russell Wilson and then also Drew Brees, but Drew Brees, next level accuracy in the pocket, you know, and that's and that's still a question mark because I've said this before and I'll say it again. I know we got to jump here to the update, but when you're in the pocket and you're a shorter quarterback, there's three levels that you have to align. One is obviously your offensive line. You have to find the gap in your offensive line to throw the ball through so you're not hitting guys in the back of their head or you know or even getting batted down by defensive linemen you got to line that now with what the defense is presenting so you can't throw it to like a guy who's staring right at you cuz he's going to pick you off and then you also have to throw it to the read of where the receiver goes and so there's these three levels like you just can't pick the gap in the offensive line and throw it through there blindly. I mean it's it's a next level thing it took even Drew Brees yeah, exactly. a number of years to master. Number of years. So this isn't like this is not like it's going to be this easy no. peasy. Here we go. It's here's Peyton Manning Baker threw 28 interceptions as a rookie exactly. on a this three is, and thirteen football team. We're expecting him to do something, uh, you know, yeah. astronomically, especially with with Mayfield. This is a, a do over team to say the least. Yeah. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. No do over here, though. No, no, no. Maybe. David Gascon always come up with fresh information to keep us updated on everything, right, David? Are you being serious? No, okay. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> being a jerk, man. Absolutely I mean, I, serious. I don't, being, you, you, yes, never, you never rehash anything. I try, yeah, yeah. I try not to. I try not to. Do a great job. Robert man. and I were talking before the show. Uh, Jarvis Landry this season with Baker Mayfield. 113 catches for like 800 yards. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. <laughs> what do you have in Miami? It was like less than a thousand yards. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. He was like Tavon Austin <laughs> Jr. Yeah. Speaking of Tavon Austin, he was traded today. He goes from the LA Rams to the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys in exchange throw a six-round pick the Rams way. So it'll be interesting how that shapes up down in Jerry's world. Meanwhile, the draft continues to move along. A guy picked up by Seattle today with the 141st pick. In the 2018 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Shaquem Griffin. 
Yeah, he goes in the fifth round. Guys, we're finally done with five rounds, so we head into round number six of the NFL draft. Switching on over to the NBA, two games tonight. Bucks and Celtics is a must-win for both. Game seven in Boston. Celtics leading that series with 3-2 before Milwaukee won in game six. No John Henson for Milwaukee in that game. He's got a bad back. David Fisdale is going to interview for the Atlanta Hawks head coaching vacancy after he was fired by the Memphis Grizzlies. And switching it over to the National Hockey League, two games today. One underway in Tampa, Lightning and Bruins. They are scoreless in the first period. Gentlemen? Uh, very, very good, uh, David. By the way, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more in car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Just talked about, again, uh, Shaquille Griffin, uh, drafted by the Seahawks, where he'll be uh, playing with his twin brother, Shaquille. I, this is such an amazing story. When Does Shaquille think, play with the Seahawks? Yeah. Oh, that's huge. I, mean, I didn't, I didn't I mean, even realize that. That's um, awesome. He said, Griffin and Shaquem, when he when he found out about it, he said, I couldn't breathe. I, I didn't know what to say. I was oh, trying to so get the fun. words out. I couldn't talk. I mean, it's an amazing story. He had his left hand amputated at age four uh, because of a uh, congenital condition. This guy put up some unbelievable numbers. He ran a 4 <laughs> fastest of any linebacker in more than a decade. Did 20 reps of 225 using a prosthetic uh, on his left arm. You know when you're when you're when you're the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, you, you have the feel good story, right? Oh yeah. But I mean, it could have also been a feel good story if you just signed him as a free agent, used a draft pick on this kid. No, you're not going to get him as somebody else would have drafted. I'm surprised it was a draft a little higher. But, it, four, but three, well, let's put the four three eight forty in perspective. You were a speed guy. I mean, four three eight forty for it's, a linebacker. It's phenomenal. Is, but to me, the the, the ultimate telling tell of his. Pro-S as a football player is the film. The guy was a force. He was disruptive. And you saw every one of his games. He had his – like in that Auburn game, yeah. his fingerprints were all over that game they in terms block of control. Him. Oh, no, they can't block him. And what's awesome about him is that even though he does not have a hand, you don't need a hand. All you need is the ability to keep separation from an offensive lineman, which he was fine doing. Now, you can't grab anything, but – that's overrated. You just ask, you know, Jason Paul Pierre after he got, you know, fingers blown off. You don't need a grab. You just need to keep separation. And so, and he's tough. He's going to be phenomenal on special teams. He's he's versatile. Uh, you know, he's got he's a guy that's quick enough, good enough in coverage that you could keep him out there on three downs. Use him even as a. He's uh, intercepting passes. Of course, he's fine. He's look. I'm going to tell you this, and I and I would say he's a guy too, because the NFL is the. Look, everybody's in CYA mode, which means cover your butt, okay, but the other word. Uh, so everybody's always very conservative, especially when it's kind of a special circumstance like it is with this this particular kid, with Griffin. If you don't have, if guy doesn't have a hand, everybody's immediately going to think, why are you going to draft him in the first day? Why are you going to draft him? I mean, he should have legitimately have been, if, they were, if there was a vacuum. Yes. And, and you're not worried about some... GM, if all of a sudden it's, the wheels do fall off, because it's always about the downside. You know, right. what if the wheels fall off? What if he comes in and just struggles? You know, now what? How am I going to justify and reconcile to the owner that we we invested this in him? You know, and, and so even with if if that didn't exist, he should have been at least the third round draft, right? At least, I mean, most likely could he, if if he would have just had a hand, he would have been a sec- easy second round. It pick. really is amazing though, because I mean, 
when when you when you talk about how important your hands are, I mean, there, there's a lot to be said because we know there are a number of players in this league because of the strength of their hands overcome maybe a lack of size or some other things. It can actually be an advantage to certain players. I always go back to the great Rod Martin, the great Raider linebacker, undersized guy, 12th round pick. No one thought anything of him. Extreme. I mean, he just had the ability to take people and throw them based on the strength of their hands. But when you're I mean, it really. Bl- I mean, you watch him. You can see the speed. You can see the athleticism. Yeah, he's. But still, he's when you don't have a hand, it doesn't. It doesn't restrict him. That's the. That's the thing. Is like I don't but care. But if, if a guy gets a hold of you, and so how do you? I don't. It's. It's amazing. the same way that even if you had a hand, if a guy gets a hold of you, you're done. That's how we always talk about that. Is if a guy can hold you, he's got you blocked. If they can't hold you, they can't block you. That that's the number one thing. So. He's not in any different circumstance than if a guy had a hand. I'm just telling you right now, he's he's proven it. Like you, it's not like all of a sudden he's like, "Hey, I want to play football, guys." No, no, no. He has no film on me. First team all conference the the last two years. He has a ton of film. He's been phenomenal. So this undefeated team that won the national. It's a heck of a pick. The best thing is, is they got him. (laughs) They got him lower than he should have gone. Which it only makes him that much reunited with his brother, twin brother. I think it's he's going to be a starter with them in no time. You watch. That would be a hell of a story. And also, he fits, like I'm telling you, he fits the exact mentality of that defense's, and that is the shoulder, out to prove somebody every single day. He's going to be a heck of an addition to the Seahawks. I, I, I That's my favorite pick of the draft so far. And it's not because he doesn't have a hand. It's because it all makes sense. I mean, this is going to be good for the Seahawks. Did you ever get 4-3-8? I know you got low fours. Oh, probably like in the 35-yard dash, but really? not the 40 <laughs> The lowest I ever got in the forty yard dash was a four point five one. Four five one was the lowest I've ever been. Like somebody timed me and they said, "Look, this is what your timing was." Were you determined and, to break four or five? You're that close. I didn't care. Look, there's only so much speed you can have that means. Like to me, it's all well, about you build football speed? productivity. Yeah, you're born with man. speed. No, you got you got to use your glutes. Have you bro. ever seen anyone literally make themselves into a considerably faster runner? Yeah. Yeah, come on. There's some isn't, training. Isn't genetics a big Tra- part? Genetics of it? huge, but training plays also a big role because you got quick twitch muscle fibers, you got yeah. muscle activation sequences, you got certain efficiencies of movements, you got even a technique. There's a technique that nobody knows about that's hilarious. It's knee up, toe up. Like when you lift your knee up to run, your toe also has to come up so that when it goes and hits the ground, that you're also using your your ankle as an extra spring to propel yourself forward. People like keep their leg down, and then when their leg hits, their heel hits. Taking away all the potential kinetic energy that's well, it's potential energy at that point that's in in, in your in your ankle being flexed, it's gone. All right, let, so in other words, let me ask a whole, you this: There's a whole let's science. Say, to let's it. say there was a guy genetically almost identical to you, okay, same size, weight, yeah, physical structure, everything else, yeah. but genetically he is a four eight. Oh, I could get him to four six. You you believe you can oh, get him no four question. six? Yeah. Because I'd show, I because I guarantee it was def- the deficiency would be in technique. Right, it'd be a, it, like I said, muscle sequ- muscle activation sequences. A lot of people too, man. When they run, they'll overemphasize their hamstrings. And guess what? The most powerful muscle in your body is your glutes. Glutes, absolutely. So if you're using your hamstrings instead of your glutes to generate the most of your power from, you're using the weaker part of your body. So if you could transition that to the stronger part of your body, immediately you're going to gain speed. Well, it's like uh, golfers. You see these little five foot nine. Exactly. How are they hitting the ball three hundred plus yards? They are maximizing the full potential of their power production yes. because they're they're using every ounce of yes. 
whatever it is. It's, yeah. It could be torque. It could be it, the gluten. But involvement. it's not an upper body thing. It has no, to be a total it's, body it's thing. It's a total thing, and it's muscle activation sequences. Right. All right, very it's good. Activating cool. the right muscle at the right time and having it all fit together. All right, in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, we're not handing out grades, but <laughs> we are going to tell you which teams went in the right direction in the draft. Coming up next. Hi, right, Benny Papingo. We got great news. There's a quick way for you to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 50 minutes can save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Well, we've... Got to thank the guys. Well, we don't have to, but we like to. <laughs> Nick. It's the proper thing to do. Uh, is His head's spinning <laughs> with the Charger picks today. So, uh, without giving me a grade, how about a thumbs up, thumbs down for the Chargers draft? Thumbs up? All right, thumbs up. Thumbs up. liked it. All right. All right, so he liked what he saw. Well, there you go. David Gascon, of course, keeping us updated on everything happening. And then there's Robert, our producer, who's here for the second Hell consecutive yeah. week. Are you going to be here for a while now, Robert, or are you going to be shipped off again? Uh, I will actually not be here next week. I knew it. But the, the following week, I should be here. All right. <laughs> it's okay. Uh-oh. That's all right, buddy. All right. Um, okay. Again, trying to dra- – I just laugh when I see grades on drafts. I mean, I, again, it would be – grading a draft on draft day is like literally handing you a grade on a test you haven't taken yet. Of course. Yeah, it's too early. But what you can do, to me, I look at it more as – does the draft pick make sense? All right, so that's exactly Based where I want to go. Information and phil- philosophically, because to me, you just can't pick a guy because, well, he's yeah, it's how it's always been done. Like you can't give me just some blatant, you know, bland answer. It needs to have a reason. You need to have, you know, backup behind it. You got to give it some kind of meat so All right. it makes sense to why you would make that choice at the position you'd make it at. Let's start with the Browns. They had four of the top 35 picks in the draft. Okay. Four of the top 35. So by the third pick of the second round, they've already made four picks. <laughs> so they take Baker Mayfield. They take Denzel Ward, the corner out of Ohio State. They take Austin Corbett, the guard tackle out of Nevada. And Nick Chubb, the running back out of Georgia. So, did they make the right picks? I'm not like, I'm no. I, I the first pick needed to be Sam Donald. Yeah, but they want Bottom quarterback. Line. That's they okay. They needed a quarterback. That's okay. But philosophically speaking, I I'm not a fan of going outside of your wheelhouse. They went outside of their wheelhouse, going after a guy that. They've seen guys from afar have success that are like him, but they've never been around a guy like him. That to me is that's that's philosophically, principally, but they doesn't make insist sense. Insist that they see Brett Favre and Baker Mayfield. I don't know what they would see in him. <laughs> I don't. What, does he look like him? No. Does he improvise like him? No. Does he have a really strong uh, arm like him? No. Does he play with a swashbuckling kind of style? No. I don't see it. So you can say all you want, but I, I, you, I, I'd like to see where they see that that commonality because I'm I'm not there again. Uh, and uh, uh, McLuhan is it? Who is the guy? Yeah, McLuhan was apparently the guy jumping up on the table for right Baker Mayfield and which... said. And here's what McLuhan said: he he got on record saying that when he personally scouted him, he compared him to Brett Favre and not Johnny Manziel. 
All right. So what about the rest? They take a running back. I mean, they need everything. I mean, when you go one and th- it's still unthinkable. How is it possible a team could go one and thirty-one? I mean, a few yeah. bounces. I mean, you got to go your way. All right, true. Uh, I'll let me uh, defer to your Green Bay Packers, a team in a nosedive right now with a coach that's on his last legs. Oh, right, he is. So, he really is. He's only got like one year left on his dip. Yeah, and after last year, he better come up. They that's go true. defense, defense, defense. They took a punter. They took uh, two wide receivers. Wide receiver, uh, Jamal Moore out of Missouri, and also Marquez Valdez-Scantling out of South Florida. What does that tell you, taking two wide receivers in the first five rounds? Yeah, it's okay. You know, you're trying to add competition. I thought I thought well, you this... convinced me that they were okay at the skill That's what I'm positions. saying. They're fine, but you just add competition, which is a good thing. Philosophically, I thought uh, they did a nice job. I, 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 I like the fact that they moved back. They still got the guy they were targeting anyway. Uh, they got two corners, and they're both rangy cover guys. So I, I believe philosoph- – and they were both guys that on their boards were their best players. Philosophically, I would say they did the right thing. You stuck in your wheelhouse. You you acknowledged that Petten's defense, and even Dom's was the same. You need more man-to-man cover guys. You just can't go out there and run zone all day, giving these quarterbacks, you know – all these huge windows that fit balls in. You just can't do that. So, yeah, I thought philosophically they were sound, more even more so than the Cleveland Browns. The New England Patriots has ended up, of course, with uh, two number one picks and a second. They take the offensive tackle win and his teammate, two Georgia guys, Sony Michelle, the running back, yeah. and then they take the corner out of Florida, Duke Dawson, in the second round. Uh, and, of course, they did a lot of wheeling and dealing as well. They, of course, traded Brandon Cooks to get that extra number one pick away from the Rams. Yep. What do you think of New England? I would have liked to have seen them go after Lamar Jackson. I believe he – you're not going to get another chance at a guy like that unless you trade or you know do something else. He's not coming out. There's not a Lamar Jackson right now in the pipeline for the next couple of years. And to me, he would fit perfectly with what they know to be where the NFL is trending – spread offenses, the quarterback's able to run. So I, I would have liked to have seen that. But again, it sort of fits Bill Belichick's kind of, this isn't sexy, we're going to get offensive line help, we're going to get a running back that's multidimensional. Because they do need a little bit more of a workhorse running back, which is I'm sure which is what they were thinking there. So, I mean, philosophically, I mean, it was fine. I didn't like the fact they passed up on Lamar Jackson. Two teams essentially passed on this year's draft. The Eagles... <laughs> oh, completely pass. Wow. They have one second round pick, two fours, a six, gave, and a seven. This is basically you could just say they just in place of those picks, they just put Carson Wentz's name. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then the Rams. The Rams basically dealt out their yeah. draft. Yeah. You know, the great George Allen hated the draft, hated rookies. He traded every. The, the legendary story was he actually <laughs> traded the same draft in one draft. He traded a second and third to get a veteran player and made the exact same deal with another team. <laughs> the same picks. And then he did it with the fourth and fifth round picks. He made two trades simultaneously for the exact same picks for two different veterans. League jumped in and said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and he couldn't get rid of draft picks quick enough. I mean, to him, they were worthless. If I can turn these that into... That was before the new cap system, though. Well, but with, I, with cap the system, idea of converting draft picks into proven players, how much value is there? There's I mean, tons of value. I think there's a lot of value. The mean, problem is, is you're rolling the, cap, the dice with any draft but cap, pick, but if but you can get a proven player. But cap area, you can't afford it. You can't fit under the cap. 
That's why these rookies well, are so bad. you got to manipulate the cap. That's what you got to do. You got to well, rework contracts and get that capology. But then working. all of a sudden you start pushing it into the future and then you're going to have no cap space. You won't even be able to retain your stars. So you're in trouble. So the, the cap actually helps in that sense. But yeah, you got to get those young guys. But if you, I mean, you know, again, uh, Brandon Cooks, pretty good deal for the Rams to get a oh, guy yeah. like Brandon Cooks you're for not a draft find, pick. Yeah, you weren't going to find one of him. You're not going to find in one of him in the first round? Draft. Absolutely. Nope. Heck of a right. deal. Packers are going down this year. <laughs> you want them to. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.